You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Wednesday edition of Sports Call live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan Lavoy, the host of this show. Today, I've got Cam Berry and Tom Peavy with me for the second show of 2024. We've got T.P. Hammock, who's back with us in the month of January here. He is running the board and taking your phone calls today. Today on the show, we will be talking a lot more college football. We were able to talk a little bit about the playoffs yesterday. We'll get into a little bit more of that today. Also review the rest of bowl season. Uh, we will be able to talk a little bit about what will be going on during our show, which is the Under Armour All-American game. And there are some Auburn Tigers, future Auburn Tigers playing in that game, such as Cam Coleman. So we'll let you know uh, how they're performing there with that All-Star game as it's All-Star game season at the high school level. Uh, we'll also talk Auburn basketball. Auburn basketball able to get a productive win last night against the Penn Quakers, winning by 20 points. Uh, so we'll talk about the uh, the Tigers' performance these last couple games as they get set for a date with Arkansas and Bud Walton Arena this weekend to open SEC play. We'll also have Joe Bartle of Rotowire on at 5.15 today to kind of recap the fantasy football season as most leagues coming to an end. A few leagues still have their championship this week or the second week of their championship this week. But we'll kind of put a bow on fantasy season. Also look ahead towards potential playoff matchups with him there as the NFL has week 18, the final regular season week ahead this weekend. Of course, we want to hear from you on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free one at triple eight nine at Tiger Nine. Ryan, Tom, and Cam with you here on this Wednesday edition of the show. Cam Barry, I turn to you first. I hope that you had a very happy new year. Good to see you again, sir. Hope you're doing well. I'm, Champs here. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing great. I I I uh I had a fantastic Christmas, uh fantastic New Year. Spent the New Year's in Frankfurt, Germany. Uh and it was a, a very, very fun and and eye opening experience. Uh first time in Europe and I had so much fun fun and I, I was just glad to be able to uh, 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 have that experience and then uh, to be able to um, yeah I, I mean I just had so much fun man I, I told you guys all about it you guys uh, know all the details of that trip so it, it was great I loved it uh, definitely can't wait to go back to Europe um, and then yeah won a fantasy football won our fantasy football league championship here uh, in the office so I'm getting to get a new jersey uh, for somebody who was on my roster so I'm excited about that opportunity as well uh, I think I'm going to end up picking uh, Amon Ross St. Brown because 
Uh, that's who my team was named after. My team was St. Brown's Island uh, this year. And uh, he really held it down for me all season. So it was really, uh, really great and uh, had a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, so I, I'm hoping, hopefully hoping to be able to win two more championships in, the, in this next week. Uh, and then uh, I'll be uh, uh, having three championships this year. So that would be a lot of fun. Um, and then, yeah, uh, doing great. And, um, you know, didn't get to watch a lot of football um, because in Germany, just there was really no way to do it uh, for me to access it. I did watch a little bit of uh, NFL because they did have red zone and that's pretty popular in Germany, just in in uh, um, in Europe in general, how the f- uh, American football is growing. So I did watch a little bit of red zone, uh, disappointed with the Falcons and their loss and uh, uh, the way that they play. But I didn't get to watch a lot of college football really at all. Uh, so disappointing loss from Auburn as they didn't really execute as well as I, I thought they were going to uh, against Maryland. So that was a really rough blowout to kind of follow. I was kind of loosely following it a little bit uh, just via social media and things like that. But uh, so that was a disappointing um, loss for the Tigers and just a disappointing way to end the season. But still, uh, you, you got a lot of, lot to look forward to. You have a really good signing class uh, if you're Hugh Freeze, so you just want to be able to figure out what those X's and O's are going to look like and who's you're going to be, who's going to be your quarterback next season. He said it was wide open uh, in the press conference post game, uh, and and will he be involved in game planning more uh, going into next season? So we'll see. That, those are some things definitely to look at down the line uh, in the future. So yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, ready to talk about all things uh, a little bit of Auburn basketball too especially since they got the win last night against Penn and and kind of dive deeper into that and yeah uh, I'm, I'm doing great it was it's a great new year and and let's get it started and then Tom Peavy also on this Wednesday edition of the program Tom how are you today I'm doing just fine and uh uh the weather is teasing me because I am one of those that I uh I I turn into a 10 year old kid whenever I think of the s word during winter <laughs> and and while that has not been forecast the fact that it's like raining and very cold and earlier today there were ice pellets hitting my windshield it's just such a tease to be this close to actually having some snow and uh but no it's just gonna rain and be cold and miserable <laughs> but uh other than that other than the weather uh doing great and uh kind of ready to rehash more of what we discussed on yesterday's show and uh then also trying to keep track up here with the uh under armor game that's going on with some of the auburn signees and an auburn target uh who is committed elsewhere but uh yeah just ready to get into it yeah and uh i i will say too with the weather thing thomas i will say that to a day like today is one of the one of the toughest days for uh, weather because, uh, honestly, when you're looking at it and you've got rain at 40, 41, 42 degrees, right. uh, that's, I don't know how it gets much worse than that uh, because I do like snow, um, if, especially if it's going to get this cold. So, anyway. Well, and I, that's what I'm saying. I, that's what I always say. Like, and lately, that's what it's been. Like, we'll have some – We'll have some days where it's just frigid cold, but it just rains. And it's like, you know what? If it's going to be cold and there's going to be water of some sort coming out of the sky, just let it be snow. I mean, just cold. <laughs> right. Just let it happen. Yeah. Just, just do it. I mean, <sighs> cold rain is miserable. 
Yeah. Just make it, if it's going to be that close, just snow and make it pretty. And and that's why let we it, let us hear the crunch of snow under our feet. Uh, yeah. I mean, come on. And that's why we are nice and warm inside of our Tiger Communication Studio. So that's why we're uh, we're definitely not outside. So uh, a lot to talk about on this edition of the show. So let's get to it. We will get to basketball uh, in just a little bit, but still want to give more reaction from this past weekend's uh, football games. We're down to unfortunately just one. Game remaining in the college football season with the national championship game next Monday. We'll be previewing that a little bit later this week and certainly next Monday. Uh, but again, with this past uh, weekend's worth of games, again, more on the Auburn game, it was such a uh, complete failure offensively, uh, which we talked about in pretty good detail yesterday. Uh, but just to kind of reiterate some of the points that uh, really – an offense that didn't do really anything well. Now they got something going with Hank Brown in the game uh, in the fourth quarter when they were doing tempo, when uh, Maryland was definitely in some prevent and that sort of thing. But I thought that just as disappointing as the the passing was the uh, inability to run the football because we knew how handicapped the passing had been throughout this year. We also knew that half the receivers were in the portal, uh, Javarius Johnson and Malcolm Johnson Jr., et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and so I, I figured they would not be overly productive passing. Now, obviously, it still needed to look a little bit better than it did, but it's not flabbergasting. What's flabbergasting is they never got the run game going, and they were not able to – uh, get any offensive rhythm and look some of that too is you get down 21 nothing and plans change a little bit it was still very early in the game and they still tried to run uh, at times but again we're up against it from the very get-go and that's going to be something that's going to be very interesting to watch as we get into this offseason is there a portal guy available to help you out uh, is there somebody that um, you would like to take a flyer on. Some of the big names are taken up. Yeah. Most of the big names are taken up. And uh, we know that maybe the biggest name available still is someone that's not really interested in Auburn and Will Howard. He's looking at Ohio State, Miami, a couple other schools. Uh, so that that's the Kansas State transfer. Beyond that, I know yesterday, as uh, we mentioned, Tom mentioned it, Justin Ferguson mentioned it, uh, Caden Salter, the Liberty quarterback, hit the portal. And he's a guy that had some really good numbers at Liberty, obviously played for Hugh Freeze at Liberty in years prior, although was not the main starter all year long, Was uh, did start some games in 2022. Uh, but certainly Hugh Freeze changing his stance after that game. Were you surprised at all on either side of it? Were you surprised that he was so committed to Peyton Thorne beforehand or are you surprised how quickly he went away from being committed anything about that uh strike you surprising uh the, i mean i was definitely surprised that it seemed like that he uh, was so on the side of peyton thorne because uh, i i get it there's been issues all over that field on the offensive side i mean the, the offensive line has been better but still issues there obviously the wide receivers were terrible Running game, you know, a lot of hit and miss there. Um, but Peyton Thorne had not really done anything that really gave me the confidence that he was the guy that you wanted going forward. And so for him to for, – for Hugh Freeze to kind of give that vote of confidence was kind of surprising to me. And, and then, of course, after the bowl game, 
he backs off of that. So that doesn't surprise me at, at all. I I think anybody with any sort of eye for the game of football or you know any sort of concept of what was going on and what you could see knew that there there were issues there that that were on Peyton Thorne. And uh, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess that's it. I, mean, I was surprised that he that that he gave the uh, such a strong vote of confidence, but definitely not surprised that he backed off of it. But that's also one of those weird things. If you get the kid a vote of confidence and you turn around and then you don't, then you know it, it feels wishy-washy on the part of your head coach. Right. It definitely is confusing and can be a, a bit – yeah, I, I guess that's the best way to put it. It's confusing because, again, he's sending mixed signals and, and he's unsure as to as – to, you know, is he sticking with Thorne? Is he not going to stick with Thorne? Is he going to go get a transfer quarterback? I saw some type of whirlwind that Auburn was the last second in in it with uh, Cam Ward uh, before he ultimately decided to go to the NFL draft, and he was that Auburn was trying to make a push to keep him in college and uh, get him at get him to Auburn and and have him I guess compete to get the starting job or be the starting quarterback. Um, and I I, I just uh, you know it it, it is wishy washy. Uh, I I guess. Peyton Thorne again I didn't get to watch the full scope of the game but from what I have read from what I have kind of seen in clips and things like that uh, the overall trend of the game was that Peyton Thorne really just still could not make the decisions that were necessary uh, but the offensive game plan overall wasn't great either um, and and that, that Auburn got down so quickly that they couldn't really do too much in the first place anyway like you kind of said Ryan they had to go away from the run relatively quickly uh, because just they were down they got down so fast uh, so you had to try and kind of get back into it but it, again Thorne wasn't able to really make decisions and things like that and then Hank Brown comes in in the fourth and really lights it up and makes the quick decision goes through his reads makes progressions uh, uh, goes through his progressions and makes the throws that even Peyton Thorne missed uh, from what I from what I heard was that uh, Peyton Thorne missed an exact same throw that Hank Brown was able to complete to Caleb Burton down the field so uh, things like that definitely are going to make a difference and uh, I, I'm sure those that was a bit of an eye-opener for uh, for Hugh Freeze as well. So you, you're curious to see uh, going forward uh, who he's really going to be sticking with uh, as his quarterback. It's, I mean, he said it was wide open, and I truly believe that he's going to stick with that, that it is because, uh, I mean, Thorne hasn't given you a lot of, a lot of confidence, uh, especially towards the end of the season. Yeah, and look, when you're looking at this roster and just containing it to guys currently in the room, there's not a lot to be incredibly confident about because I think that the most talented of the four quarterbacks that are going to be in that room next year, Walker White, will have obviously had the least amount of time on campus with the team, that sort of thing. Is he really going to be ready as a true freshman? Uh, some are, but usually those are the five-star kind of, I don't say generational, but certainly special talents that end right. up competing for Heisman trophies and, and that sort of thing. Uh, and, and look, maybe and the hope is obviously going to be that Walker White can get to that level at some point, but is he there day one? Likely not. So again, to rehash your options, you've got Peyton Thorne, whose production was just incredibly low. You, you don't have to go into any more great detail about what the roster did or did not have, about what, whose fault in that. Just baseline, the production was incredibly low. You got Holden Gurner, who was a four-star recruit on three of the sites, but 
it was five of fifteen in relief this year. So he got uh, some reps against Texas A and M of consequence. That was actually a game when he was playing in it, and then he played there a couple series. <coughs> In the bowl game, the Music City Bowl. And again, 5 of 15 overall. So you've not seen anything in the very small sample size from him. And then you've also got Hank Brown, who was a three-star guy, was not going to be somebody that we would figure into the quarterback battle. But ironically, in his small sample size, again, very small sample size, he looked better than any of them. So you really don't have... Uh, I don't think you have a clear guy on the roster for where many people are going to plant their flag just yet, especially not without spring practice and that sort of thing. I would make the argument, look, here's my thoughts on Hank Brown. We'll see what you guys think. I just think he should be in the race. I don't think he should necessarily be an afterthought anymore. Uh, And my reasoning for that is if you're going to include Holden Gurner in this race, which I think everyone is going to, then my my qu- simple question to you would be, why would you not include Hank Brown at that right, point? Right, right. Because, look, Holden Gurner was a bigger recruit. He was a four-star guy uh, on three of the services. Now, ironically, on the one service he was not a four-star guy, which was Rivals, he was the number 22 quarterback that year. Hank Brown, who, of course, was a three-star guy on all the sites, was the number 26 quarterback on Rivals. So Rivals evaluated the two. It was different classes, but Rivals evaluated the two very similarly, actually. Uh, the, the other three had Gurner and it's four-star. Again, I get it. But if you just look at Rivals, Rivals was very pretty close between Gurner and Brown. And my thought is that recruit rankings are great. They obviously matter a lot with the blue-chip ratio, all that. But if you're going to get into this thing two years removed from high school, you can't constantly rely on what high school evaluators thought of somebody, especially not when it was not a layup that this guy was supposed to just be awesome. Again, a, a guy that's a four-star on a couple sides and a three-star on a side is not a layup to be a great college football player. And so uh, I would say to you that having seen two years of very, very small sample size, again, I'm not trying to say we know everything we need to know, but after seeing two small sample sizes, there's nothing that sticks out to me that you can prove to me, yeah, Gurner's clearly better than so-and-so, and in this case, Hank Brown. You, you, can't, you can't prove that. Now, you can't prove Hank Brown's better either. That's why there needs to be a competition. But I would just simply ask that don't be dismissive of this, this performance from the standpoint of you're just going to revert back to some high school rankings and say, oh, yeah, no, this guy's clearly better. Because what I would also then follow up is another another position you could take is, well, we trust the coaching staff and there's a reason you're so-and-so and blah, blah, blah. And, Tom, I think you said this yesterday. But if you don't agree with the, if you don't agree with the quarterback decision the coach has made so far at the starting job, why are you going to trust him for the third and fourth string jobs? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like, if you don't agree with his evaluation in one part of the depth chart, why do you all of a sudden use that to, to agree with another part of the depth chart? So I'm simply saying it should be a race. I'm not trying to make some big point that Hank Brown should be leading the race, that he should be anointed, that we know everything we need to know. It was nine passes against the defense up four scores. Okay, so nothing in that is me being confident and what's to come. But what I would suggest is, yes, if you're bringing these uh, – even bringing Walker White on the campus – 
everyone should be involved. And I know that's a hell of a lot of people to split reps between, but I think it mandates that because unless you get someone else in the portal, you can't tell me right now that you're confident in any of these solutions to the big problem. And there needs to be an answer. Look, they don't. we talked about yesterday timelines and that sort of thing. They don't have to up and go to the national championship or, or go to the playoff even next year. But there's got to be a progression. That's how these things work. You started a pretty low baseline of six and six, six and seven. So there's mostly room to improve. You, the only way you get worse is you get Iowa's offense. That's that's really just about it. Okay. And so at this point, you've got a lot of room to improve, yeah. and you need to do you need to make the right choice and at least showing an improvement. It does not have to mean you get to a promised land, but that quarterback decision is going to be very important. And then you amplify that with the unknown of, okay, you've got a heck of a wide receiving class with or without Ryan Williams. You've already got two five-star guys. You've got a couple four-star guys that would probably grade out to end up being starters at some point at uh, the Power 5 level, uh, if not pretty soon. You, that's a lot of receivers to make happy for a team that threw 10, 15, 20 passes and averaged like 120 passing yards a game. So that's also why, again, I'm not asking you to find the, the three- or four-year answer. I'm not asking you to find a, a way to the promised land, but I am asking you to find a way to at least make it watchable to where three or four really big-name mouths are being fed enough to where you can keep growing the program along with them. We're going to take our first timeout of the show today. When we come back, we'll go to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line for the first time today. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Cam Berry with you here on this Wednesday. T.P. Hammock running the board and taking your phone calls. You're going to continue to hear a little bit more of T.P. throughout this uh, month of January, this winter season into spring season, as he'll be helping out with several different high school broadcasts. We'll continue to be on at least one Sports Call show a week, so glad to have T.P. back here in 2024 also having the original tp back here again in 2024 yeah y'all haven't fired me yet <laughs> not planning on it <laughs> so uh we're glad to have everyone back here in 2024 including our great phone callers which we go to now on the orthopedic clinic phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll free one triple nine tiger nine ward damn steve retired ward damn steve joins us steve how are you today i'm doing just fine guys it's always Hey, I tell you many times, it makes my day, my afternoon, when I can get on the show and listen to your comments and listen to podcasts later on. But let's not digress. So, welcome back, Mr. Cam. Happy birth, uh, happy New Year to you, and I hope that your holidays were uh, safe. I didn't see you on any 
uh, police uh, bulletin, so you no. stay out of trouble, I take it. Yes, sir, I did. Thank you, Steve. Happy New Year to you as well. I hope All you had right, a good, right. happy holidays. I did. Let's get to it. Tom. Yes. This is for you, my, my friend. Okay. Uh, working, as you do, in another uh, night job, I take it, uh, at a uh, local uh, bar. Uh, I'm sure you've had some people who have probably would maybe would fit the definition of unacceptable conduct. No, absolutely. Okay. Um, did you ever uh, have management ever require someone to pay $300,000 for unacceptable conduct at their establishment? <laughs> Definitely not. Uh, Definitely not. No. Well, I think we've made somebody pay $20 for snapping a pool stick on purpose one yeah. time. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you've never had anyone... Uh, pay $300,000 for a drink that they spilled, right? Definitely not. Or thrown on somebody. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what I'm getting to, right? Absolutely. Mr. Tepper got fined $300,000 for a drink. I'm sure that wasn't worth that much, right? Oh, I, I can guarantee you that little tiny drink that he threw was not that much. But uh, Yeah, but that's that's just conduct that you can't do as an owner of, the, of an NFL team. Like, whether you think you can do that or not, $300,000, first of all, is nothing to him because he's a billionaire. Well, what is that, what is that somebody who, who owns an NFL team? Is that but like you, me and you paying uh, $3 for a drink? Sure, but you got to do something. You know, I, I agree that maybe $300 might not be enough, or maybe it's not enough type of consequences, but he certainly had to to, fa- to do something in, in terms of consequences because, I mean, that throwing a drink on somebody, dude, like, man, you're an NFL owner. I know that guy was probably saying a bunch of things to him and whatever, whatever, but you have a certain type of conduct that you have to uphold as an owner of a f- professional football team. Uh, so yeah, I, I I I can I can see what you're talking about though. Do you guys see? Because uh, I know uh, you know the NFL can't you know may make him leave or uh, buy him out. But I know the the the, the other NFL uh, owners they can vote a uh, owner out, right? Uh, yes, but they're they're not going to do that for that kind of conduct. It'd have to be. Yeah, I, I suspect yeah. not. Uh, but I'm looking for Bleach reports, and he said this guy now has taken the mantle from previously uh, Mr. Uh, Snyder's um, being the owner of the, of the former Washington Redskins. And I didn't know he was this bad, guys. Uh, apparently being wealthy, I guess, in no way equates to being really intelligent. He has fired three coaches since he's bought the Panthers in May 2018, it says. And not only that, but he's also fired three interim coaches. He has zero winning seasons and zero playoff games. Uh, wow. Uh, how can you be this bad, guys? He's, and be that wealthy. Yeah, he's just impatient. Uh, he really doesn't understand the terms of building a team. He's fired actually two more coaches, I think, with the soccer team that he owns in North Carolina as well. Um, and, and he just has really no type of patience and that doesn't understand that that's what it takes sometimes to really build a football team. It, it, the Panthers are not in a win-now situation, and he's trying to make it seem like they are when they simply are not. Okay. Well, can we sit with the NFL again? Because this, to me is just, I said, holy crap category. Is this the best you can do, NFL? Uh, this comes from, these reports, Timothy Rapp. And the title of it, they called my attention, was NFL reminds players who clearly report as eligible receivers after Cowboys lines drama. Uh, did, you, did, did you read the memo? Because it was uh, just nonsense. They're telling people that uh, they need to make sure that they make their substitutions and they're coming in, apparently, to the proper officials. Well, you know, 
who uh, is going to be refereeing the upcoming really, really important uh, games here. Uh, Brad Allen again. And of course, he lied like heck, guys, because uh, I read his statement. And in fact, it's not my opinion that he lied. Guess who said he lied? Who's that? Uh, Decker, who's the guy who did actually report his number before he went onto the field, right? And also Mr. Campbell, who is the head coach of that same team. Uh, they said no. And in fact, I'm, re- re- I'm reading uh, the response. He says, I haven't told him who the hell was coming in. Right. Yeah, so it's so either a lie they, or, or didn't hear How can they blatantly lie like that, guys, and get away with it, the officials? And the NFL uh, lets them get away with it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But they did it, right? And they can get away with it, right? I guess so integrity, ethics, has no place in the NFL either. Yeah, Steve, again, I, I will tell you that sports are not the beacon of any of that stuff. They, they are... It's about money. It's about product. And, uh, again, there are some good instances of that at times. But uh, if you're looking for those in the sports world, that's 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 not really the point of it. Um, I get it now. So I'm not even going to discuss this officials because apparently officials are not in any way held accountable for whatever they, uh, they, they rule on the field or off the field. Right, guys? Yeah, I think that uh, in, in general that's true. I do think there's sometimes that – uh, officials get downgraded and that sort of thing. Obviously, this instance is a uh, is an exception to that. But uh, yeah. Well, uh, apparently there's no repercussions for Mr. Brad Allen because he's going to be on the crew Sunday at their one o'clock game. I thought he was supposed to do the Saturday night uh, the, the uh, game uh, that game Steelers and uh, Ravens. I think. Oh, uh, it was okay. You're right. Oh, I, I, I'm misreading. It. Uh, from Bleacher Report. So the NFL said it could have hidden Brad Allen, uh, Brown's crew in a Sunday 1, 1 p.m. game. But no, you're right. It's going to be on a Saturday game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, I, I, I think it's a good opportunity to see how he does again. With I, I know everyone will be staring Eyes, at yeah. him. I actually think that this makes uh, makes sense. Yes. Because uh, now, if he does a poor job again, everyone's going to no. overanalyze <laughs> it and, and see it. But if he does a better job, then the NFL will feel vindicated in that way. All right, let's keep going, guys. Um, I've got I've got more. As I say, you know, the festival season is over, but I got problems with these people, and not only me, but so does a uh, Florida State uh, player. Did you? I know you're watching the game. Did you happen to catch uh, Mr. McElroy's uh, comments? Uh, who he was praising uh, the all uh, the accomplishments and all the adversities that uh, Washington had to go through, and of course with uh, some of their injured players. You caught those comments, right, guys? Uh, I'm not remembering them specifically. I mean, I was watching the game, but but that's not coming to mind at the moment. Okay, well, I'm reading some comments because uh, it gets it gets really juicy. He said, uh, McElroy said they always find a way, referring to Washington. It's the most remarkable thing. You watch them when someone needs to make a play. It's a resilient group. They've had a flair for the dramatic. They've earned every single thing they've gotten, and they're going to be a great possible champion. Well, guess who wasn't too happy with those comments? I, I couldn't imagine who. Uh, Jordan Travis wasn't too happy about it. Oh. But uh, neither was um, a certain Florida State player uh, by the name of Kendra Jones. All right. Uh, he said, really? He said, you think they face adversity, and you applaud and praise them for it. 
and says, where's our applaud and praise for doing what we did with losing a great number of our players, including our first-string uh, quarterback uh, and second-string quarterback, but we were actually punished by the committees for exactly that, but Washington is praised for it. You see the hypocrisy there, guys? I do, but also Florida State needs to calm down a little bit at this point because he is just trying to give some level of praise and support to Washington. Multiple teams can be deserving of that for sure, but his job with moments left to go or at the end of that game is not to start to talk about the teams that are not there. It's to to praise the teams that are there and about Washington who had just won that game or in the process of winning that game. So, like, Florida State, I understand it. It was it was awful. Uh, I, I didn't agree with it. But they, at, at some level, people are allowed to praise other teams, and you should not be offended by it every single time that they're not just worshiping or, or feeling sorry for you. So uh, I, I, when I, that's why that didn't come to mind for me because I'm not living in the past like Florida State is, and he's just praising the team he's watching in front of him. So, look, again, Florida State at the time had every right to be mad, but at some point, like, the world continues, and they're going to have, like, again, they had a chance to play in a bowl game. They handled it the way they wanted to handle it by, by having a lot of opt-outs and that sort of thing. And and if if they wanted to be – the other way, if they wanted to be so mad and say, we'll show you why you should have put us in, that's not the path they went. They went with the, okay, we, this game doesn't matter for us because we're not in it. And that's fine. They can go either path. But stop. But again, you're going to have to move on at some point, and everything that everyone says from now on is not, well, you didn't do this with Florida State. Greg McElroy had nothing to do with that decision, nor did any of... No, I agree. I agree. Everything, we, so, you, everything you have uh, you know, success merit. I just thought I'd point out to you, you know, how some people, you know, especially for a state player, could still feel, you know, really out, you know, we didn't get any praise. You know, and I know he had nothing to do with that. What I have noticed, guys, and you can tell me uh, differently, is that uh, there are commentators on ESPN who uh, are selected in their praise of certain teams and in their, uh, uh, I guess, uh, I don't know, admonition or uh, criticism of certain teams. And comes to my mind, I forgot to think about it yesterday, but my dog brought to my attention. I said, let me read this. Reese Davis, it was sometime last week, talking about the upcoming playoffs. Uh, apparently, there was discussion about uh, the uh, violations and the NCAA investigations uh, and the scandal going on with uh, Jim Harbaugh and with uh, Michigan. I don't know if you guys caught it. And then he made, I, I, would I say, false equivalency and brought up comparing their scandals with who? Bruce Pearl. Did and you have to catch that guy? I, no, I did not. Yeah, well, my, I, I went back and did see it, and I'm saying, wait a minute, Bruce. I know you're Alabama homer, but leaving that aside, if you're going to make a comparison about scandals and NCAA-level violations, uh, what Bruce did is nowhere near the level of violation NCAA that um, Mr. Jim Harbaugh has been alleged up, and if you want to pick an equivalent, which that was not one, why don't, why, why don't you pick Will Wade uh, from LSU? Uh, why not him? That's a more even-based and comparable uh, violation. Guys, what do you make of Reese Davis doing that comparison? 
I don't know. The, Tom or Cam, do you have anything on that? I, 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 I mean, it. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I haven't lost any sleep over it. I don't lose sleep over nah. anything that any talking head on ESPN says. So not really concerned. But in the public domain, guys, they say this crap on TV, and he's, you know, one of their pundits, you know. And, you know, it's not like, you know, Joe Schmoke from Open Like Auburn News saying it, but he does it publicly uh, to a great you know, or a viewing audience is what I'm getting at. Yeah, it brings out I mean, again, I would, Auburn University and uh, Bruce Pearl again. Right again, and I, I again, I would not have compared the two. Sure, no. uh, but again, I at the same time, I, I don't. It, it, again, uh, Tom said it best. I don't lose any sleep over it. Okay, all right. To stop this crap, guys, that's been going on, and I, to me, it is crap about teams, uh, people talking out of teams, and the the playoffs. Uh, matter more than the non-playoff bowls. I came across this article, and we don't have time for it today, but I'll go through a few of them maybe uh, next day too. But I thought it was well written by a uh, sports writer uh, by the name of Joey Knight, and also too, uh, Matt Baker of the Tampa Bay Times. You're neck of the woods there, uh, Ron. I mean, sure, yeah. It's entitled, I Eight Ideas to Fix the Bowl Season After FSU's Orange Bowl Debacle. Have you caught that uh, article or read read it yet? I have not. Okay. Well, one of the items he says that they need to look at is insurance policies. And he says, give every draft-eligible player a full, actionable insurance policy policy to mitigate the injury risk and minimize one reason to opt out. What do you guys think about that one? The uh, insurance policy that you, you're saying you don't get it if you don't play in the bowl game? No, they said, um, said he, he said uh, you would have an insurance policy Payout that's meaningful. If you do but, play, right. Gotcha. So you wouldn't have that as an excuse. Well, I don't want to get injured, you know, and then I can't, you know, get drafted or it affects my draft eligibility. Uh, what's your what are your thoughts about that? Uh, you know that that's intriguing. Uh, it's I think it in general. Uh, I will say, and I think a lot of people would echo this. I think in general it is a little sad that you have to incentivize. Playing in a bowl game—that's uh, unfortunately kind of where we've headed anyway. And there's not a whole lot uh, a flippage here, I don't think, because of the way things have trended and the kind of evolution of the thinking of playing in bowl games. I would say that we had a couple of blowouts this bowl season, but I would say that the bowl season as a whole was pretty good, actually. I mean, I think that there were a lot of close games. I think there were a lot of entertaining games. And for that reason, what I would ask you is that does it really matter to you a lot if some of these teams are playing kind of half in the 23, half in the 24, if they're seven and eight win teams, that they're not ranked and or barely ranked and that sort of thing? I, I totally get the Georgia-Florida State type of thing. That, that thing is very disappointing uh, to have a, a, a top six matchup like that. Of course, it'll balloon to 12 teams in the playoffs, so it'll change the numbers around a little bit. But I, I would just say that as long as it's entertaining and that you have some good games down there, does it really matter if a 7-5 and versus 7-5 and team has three or four starters that are out or not? Because that that's my thing is I still think I'm good with, with all the big bowl or with all the bowl games. Um, and I think, as I said yesterday – the biggest thing that I would change is still the calendar with it because again it's it's kind of it's kind of necessitating for a lot of players 
that they have to get in the portal before these bowl games rather than after. So I, I would say that that would be nice. I think that you know that would probably incentivize some. Uh, but again, I think I would want to start with the calendar and then see what else would need to be done from there. And that's one of the other of uh, their eight uh, recommendations, Ryan, and we'll stop it here. But uh, they recommend adjusting the transfer portal calendar. Yeah. And they say open the portal window on January the 1st. And then Bowen Wasserman, he said, might remain mostly intact. Uh, and then they're going to say, we say a kid who enters the portal on January the 1st and chooses a youth who January the 12th can make up their initial classwork. And he said, they said that's why God created academic counselors. So that's uh, uh, another one they suggest. So there's other ones, but I'll let those go because sure. I know I'll take more of my time than necessary. But uh, I'll have to continue these tomorrow for more discussion because they got some really interesting ones uh, that I said, well, what if they did that? Okay, that's it, guys. Thanks for your time as always. My time is way, way up. So you guys have a rest of the afternoon and evening, uh, a relaxing, entertaining one. And we'll uh, listen to the podcast later on this evening. Until then, and talk to you tomorrow. Where you'll see, appreciate that phone call. That is Retire Word AM Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We have about five or six more minutes left here in this first hour. So we're going to go ahead and go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line one more time 334 887 3401 locally or toll free 1 Tiger 9. Next up, Anthony from Auburn. Anthony is with us. Anthony, how are you today? Doing good. And you guys? Doing well. Doing great. You know, there's a lot of talk about transfer this and transfer that, but. You know, you can come up with all the rules you want. If a guy decides he's not going to play, uh, even though you might hold that portal and wait and open it up in January, well, he still ain't got to play. He ain't got to dress. I mean, you, how are you going to make him dress? He just said, well, I ain't going to dress. So then what you got? Well, you got somebody that kind of quit on the team. Well, that's you know what? I, you know, you say ain't quit, but Mike Loxley summed it up just perfect. He was being interviewed or whatnot about uh, two or not playing. He said, look, two has done everything we asked him to do. He's helped us in all kind of ways. He's done everything he could possibly do to help us. Now, he didn't, he didn't, now, he didn't expand on uh, how he helped us, but we all know sellouts and uh, the, the stadium sold out and all this kind of stuff and all this money being made. He said he's done everything he could do to help us. I understand. He said, I clearly understand this is a business decision. Tua, at this point, must do what's best for Tua. I have no hard feeling. I understand this is what it is. We got to go ahead and get ready for this bowl game. Now, as more people look at it that way, things would be a whole lot better. I mean, think about it now. Uh, let's say uh, you, we've all seen where a coach was 6-6 six and six for two or three years in a row, and people got tired of that. Even though he was bowl eligible, he was released and not allowed to coach his men in the last game uh, of the season, which would be the bowl game. We've seen that. We've seen coaches that uh, have uh, gotten better jobs and moved on and didn't stay and coach the last game. Even if they could have, they didn't do it because they want to get to the other school and get ready. So as long as you got coaches moving around, getting ten million for the top of upper upper echelon of coaches like Saban and Curry Smart, ten eleven million, and then the average coach making about five or six or whatever, and then you got coordinators making anywhere from a million to two two million, some maybe three if you got some hot shot coordinator. Then you got the average offensive line coach making a half a million dollars or better if he's been a. a assistant for a long period of time, well-respected, like Matt Luke has been a head coach, then he was making $900,000 at one point. Uh, I want to stop uh, as an uh, offensive line coach at the University of Georgia, and I think he might have had the title of assistant head coach, too. So, I mean, you think about it. There's all this money being made, TV revenue, uh, 
all the endorsement deals that schools get that we've talked about in the past, private donations that schools get, and any way that a dollar can be made, uh, fans coming in town, ho- uh, visiting your hotels, restaurants, stopping getting gas, going to the mall, retail outlets, buying clothing or whatnot. I think think about how many people have come in town for a game and, and had a special event uh, before the game to attend, maybe with dress clothes or whatnot, and forgot the dress shoes and had to run in the mall and buy a pair of dress shoes. Think about how many people have done that, how much money has been made like that. Sure. Got a pair of slacks or shirt or something. So it, everybody's making money. So uh, might as well let the players continue to make the money. And ain't no need of all this portal stuff and portal this and portal that. If a player ain't gonna play, then he ain't gonna play. You can come up with a rule stating that we ain't gonna open the portal till January fifth or whatnot. And when you got to January fifteenth, to be out of school. Well, then the guy ain't gonna play in the bowl game, so you still ain't got nobody in the game. So Anthony, one thing I would uh, like to differentiate okay. there is. You were bringing up the Maryland example. I'm completely fine with a case like Talia because that's the end of his career. Like He's opting out to try and pursue a professional opportunity. That's why he's talking about he did everything he needed to do, this, that, well, and the other thing. Home. He did state that he's looking for another year eligibility if they can, if they can figure it out. That was, that was on the table, too. Either go to the pro or either, come up with one, or either try to pursue one more year of college eligibility. But I don't know how that's going to work. I, they, I don't know either. Pretty, I thought he's been there at six but, years. Uh, but that, always, that also had been put on the table. That was in the article as well. So I don't know how that's going to work out. But you've also got to think about some of these transfers, they're starters or something or, or guys that are disgruntled and that sort of thing that are not going to have been through the ups and downs of a program like Talia had. I think that when you go through that, that affords you a different luxury for your hard work and for your effort. And again, I still think that even if he finds another year of eligibility, I think those kind of opt-outs are still far different than the guys that are – the number two player or somebody that plays a little bit and that sort of thing that's only been on campus for a year or two, that's, that's then go ahead and, and looking on. Now, again, the, the first-time transfer is fine, and we've talked about that, and difference in first and second-time transfers is fine, and so I'm still good with all that too. But, again, I, I still think that there is a danger. And some kids will handle it really well, but I still think there's a danger in, in teaching 18- and 19-year-olds that you just go on to the next situation no matter what and you never try to deal with any adversity whatsoever. I still think that that is something that some people at that age do need to kind of have a realization of. And that's why at some point you've got to put – it doesn't have to be very restrictive limitations, but you got to put some sort of framework to make sure it's not just, again, absolute chaos and the absolute nth degree of all this. Well, you know, like you said, you got a guy that's there in his second year in the program. He ain't getting the playing time. Well, you know, perhaps they might not have the plans for him that maybe he thought they might have had. Or, or maybe the, the offense they're running or system they're running just don't suit his skills. And, and maybe he just ain't happy there. And so if he ain't happy there, let him go where he can be happy. Because, you know, a lot of times uh, a lot of players, I don't know if y'all notice or not, but a lot of players get recruited and go through that whole process and never meet their position coach until they actually get there for two days. I mean, so – and that coach may not like you. I mean, the coach who recruited you might think the world of you, but the, but your position coach, which you, ain't, which you hadn't had a chance to meet until you actually got on campus for two days of summer workouts, he might not like you. Then you got a problem. Sure. I mean, and that, that does happen. I mean, whether, I mean, you know, most people don't know that, but those things do happen. So you can get in a program where you just, well, I, you know, I thought, but this ain't the place for me. If a guy wants to transfer – let him transfer because if his heart and soul ain't into your program, you don't need him there. 
because all he's going to do is discourage the other guys on the team. Let him go on to, to, to a greener pastures if he thinks he can find it somewhere else. That's just like a coach trying to build a career. Well, sure. He might be at East, he might, huh? he might be at East Carolina or wherever he might be. And then uh, he might get the Georgia job. And again, I, I certainly and I, I certainly allow for that possibility once, maybe twice, in some possibilities. But also, if you keep making the wrong decision three or four times within a three, four, five year window, then some, there's got to be some lesson learned at some point. So again, you're right about the position coaches flipping other jobs and that sort of thing. But there, there still has to be something in place to say, okay, it, it does. It is important in life to make a good decision or to make it have a good thought process on a decision. And and sometimes you get burned once or twice, and you have every right to pursue something else. And again, that's why I'm fine with the initial yeah. transfer. But at some point, you do. If you keep making bad decisions on where to go, why why is that? And and you got to do some self reflection too. Well, you know what? Uh, I tell you, you know. You never know how things will work out when you sign a scholarship or whatnot. But whatever decision the player make, let him make it because that's what he want to make. And I put it to you like this. As long as his grades are in order, as long as he's in good standing, if he feel like he don't need to be there and want to be somewhere else, if he can't get it together or whatever, then you let, let him experience that. But the main thing, I would hope that all players would go ahead and get a degree, even though they may transfer to several times, as long as they keep their grades in order, as long as they can walk across that stage and, and throw their hands up and, and throw that tassel to the other side, at the end of the day, that's the only thing going to matter anyway. Because uh, we're in a, in, a, in a situation now where millions of dollars are being made, and if a player can get more money, if I'm making, a, if he can make a million dollars here in Auburn this year and get two million next year somewhere else, even it might be a school lesson in Auburn, let him go get his money. Let him go get it. I mean, it's plenty of apple pie there for everybody in sight or two. Let everybody let, go ahead and get it. The schools are making money. They ain't really caring about these athletes. They ain't even fooling nobody on that nonsense. But Steve did mention something that I mentioned on the air to y'all uh, several times about some kind of liability insurance that would cover players uh, if they get a knee injury or some kind of injury where they're not going to be able to play, a quarterback blow a shoulder out or, or something, or ankle's gone. Then every school should have liability insurance on all the athletes. And then if something happens, then they can collect $2.5 million or $5 million. I say at least $5 million or whatnot. If they're not going to be able to play again or, or they washed out after those, those injuries, why not? I mean, you think about it. We've seen players that have helped teams get in conference championship games. Arkansas had a running back that helped them qualify for the conference championship game. Then he blows a uh, Marjorie Hill. Then he blows uh, when Danny Ford was there, if I'm not mistaken. Then he blows his uh, knee out, and then he can't do anything in the NFL. Kerry Good. I don't know if y'all don't remember Kerry Good, I don't guess because you're too young. But in 1983, Ray Perkins had Kerry Good. He was an SEC freshman of the year. Turn around the next year, 1984, in a kickoff classic, an early game ABC kickoff with Keith Jackson, Boston College, come calling with Doug Fluter and Birmingham Legion Field. At halftime, Goo had 295 all-purpose yards. Came out in the second half and blew his knee up, even though he managed to come back and, and stayed. And, and I think, yeah, he graduated from Yeah, he did graduate, if I'm not mistaken. But but uh, never was the same. Had a shot at Tampa Bay and played one year and then went somewhere else and played the other year and washed out. All because of knee injury. Yes, sir. That's therefore that's so. You just need to have go ahead and put liability insurance on these guys. And if you do that, then that might stop the opt out because they say, hey, well, if I get hurt, sure. I got five million dollars. Then, then then you won't have to worry about the opt out. And then we talk about all these bowl games. Well, yeah. I already told y'all my opinion what they need to do with these bowl games. 
in order to continue yeah, Anthony, bowl games. We'd love to hear that opinion, but we are out of time for yeah. the hour. If you want to hang on, we can get you to start the second hour, but we well, do I have to take our break. I'm going shopping and cook me a steak before I go to work, but I'll call y'all back at another time. All right, sounds good, Anthony. Appreciate the phone call. That is Anthony calling from Auburn, joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone, time, phone line. Out of time for hour number one, hour number two, straight ahead. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Cam Berry with you here on this Wednesday. TP Hammock running the board and taking your phone calls. Uh, coming up in just a little bit, we will kind of transition into some Auburn basketball and give some takeaways from last night's game and where the team stands as they get ready for conference play. We'll kind of, again, preview conference play over the next couple of days and kind of get you back into basketball mode in 2024 as the SEC's pretty good league again, and there's going to be four or five really competitive teams. Another grouping of three or four teams are going to be really interesting to watch. So uh, we'll be getting through that in the next couple of days. I did want to continue that football conversation we were having a little bit there with Anthony and Steve on the other side of that break, and I appreciate those phone calls for sure. If you want to be a part of the show today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-889-TIGER-9. Again, just continuing to talk about the best way to legislate some of these really important topics. Because, again, I just want to – I know everyone understands this, but I just want to under, just one more time go through the stupidity of what has occurred in the last couple of years with managing the sport – that things were instituted, things were permissible, with no real rules and regulations to monitor or have them operate as intended, mainly NIL. Also, the transfer portal thing has been very annoying, whether you want the one-time transfer, two-time transfer, Wild Wild West, whatever you want. It's been very annoying that the last several weeks – we keep flipping back and forth between you can transfer twice, you can transfer once. You can transfer twice, you can transfer once. You can transfer all the times, you transfer once. You're eligible, you're not eligible. That has been going on and on every single week, and quite frankly, I'm getting kind of tired of reading updates about it. Make up your mind. We'll react to it. We have our opinions. Give us something to work with that is concrete, or at least concrete-ish. Uh, and so that has been frustrating the recent weeks. Um uh, 
but we have spent a lot of time with the calendar the last couple of days, couple of weeks because of the timeliness of transfer portal stuff, because of the timeliness of bowl opt outs and that sort of thing. So, do you guys have any strong opinions or takes on uh, the calendar, on how the transfer portal or any of that kind of roster changing is taking place? Uh, are you good with it being who the heck cares right now? What what, what are your thoughts? No, nah, I mean I, they need to they need to figure out something concrete and stick with it and, and stop the whole like you said. Uh, we're going to do this, and then we're not going to do this, but we're going to do this, and then we're not going to do that either. It's like, no, no, no. Uh, figure out what you're going to do. Stick with it. There there has to be something put into place to where you're not – it's not just the wild, wild west of just whatever. Um, come up with a date. Come up with a series of dates. You can enter the portal here, and the portal stops here, and that's it. Just like signing day. I mean, there and there's dead periods with recruiting and things like that. Come up with a date. There's a start date, there's a close date, and that is it. Uh, and I now you start getting that's going to be easier to do. Now you start running into various things when you start saying you can only transfer one time or you have to sit out. You start because now you've got a lot of money in, in play with the NIL and stuff. You may open yourself up to different lawsuits and things like that. But I still think that you've got to figure out a way to kind of clamp down on that to where uh you right now it feels like you have kids that are playing for four di- they're they're in school for four years for four different teams and i just you know i think that that the nca or whoever they need to come up with something to kind of curtail that a little bit and whether it means that you go back to the old ways of you can transfer once and after that if you transfer again you have to sit out a year However you need to do it. But, I mean, they, they've got to figure out some way to make it to where it's not just wide open free-for-all because it is absolutely ridiculous right now. Yeah, I agree. So you, there definitely needs to be something done about uh, the timing of the transfers. I think the window needs to be – I, I, th- I think it has to be after the season. Uh, I think that's something that absolutely needs to, needs to happen. Players should not be able to announce that, the, that they're in the transfer portal – um, you know, as late as this is in the season. Uh, I mean, obviously, unless their season is over, then okay, that's that's fine. But like teams with like the players that are in the college football playoff, like they're they're entering the transfer portal. Like like the situation with Malik Murray with Texas, right, or Murphy with Texas, right. He had no choice but to enter the transfer portal because if he didn't, he would have gotten left behind because of the the way that the window works out and things like that. So. I think it would be beneficial for teams. I think it would be beneficial for the athletes that they would be able to kind of have a better window uh, to figure these things out. And and so I think that would be uh, beneficial for everybody. And then, yeah, you have to figure out, you know, um, the the two transfer rule. I, I think it's fine for somebody to transfer once and be immediately eligible. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, I, I mean, again, you know, if it comes to a second time where something you know, some player has to transfer, uh, then that's when you kind of, uh, you have to apply for the immediate eligibility, figure things out. You shouldn't be able to be immediately eligible just so you can transfer. You know, like Tom said, you know, there are some of these players that are four teams in four years, and that's just ridiculous. You just, like, if it, if it doesn't fit after the second time and you're just leaving just to leave or you beat out the competition, well, or you can't beat out the competition, well, then, you know, you kind of got to stay put and figure it out at that point in time. Uh, but, you 
know, things can happen and, and, and players should be allowed to transfer and kind of figure things out uh, that way. So that's kind of that's kind of where I would think um, you would have to figure something along the lines of that to kind of make the best move there. All right, let's go back to the orthopedic clinic phone line, and we welcome back on Anthony from Auburn. Anthony back with us. Anthony, again, good to talk to you again, sir. You know, uh, I tell you what, now, you know, uh, a lot of times when guys sign scholarships uh, back in the day, they didn't know that uh, that thing was renewable in the spring. If they feel like you weren't working out after a year or two or or even after the first year, they could go ahead and release you. A lot of people didn't know that. So, in other words, uh, I mean, you have to take that away off the table. No more releasing in athletes if you choose to do that. If you want to uh, restrict uh, transferring so many times, then that's going to be taken out. That they no longer uh, have the option, a school have the option to release an athlete if they feel like he's not going to fit in their program. Then you have to do something like that to maybe help uh, uh, clean that up. Uh, I think uh, everybody should be able to transfer at least one time without any kind of penalty. Then if they transfer again, if they're graduate, now if they're graduate, they ain't never no uh, penalty on that, period. And I say this, if they mess around and, and make the honor roll like we've seen all South Conference, Southeastern Conference uh, students are all American in the classroom, then ain't no penalty on that, period. Don't care uh, if you transfer previously or not. If that's going on in the classroom, then no. Interesting. Incentivizing the academic side to give you another shot at the athletic side. That's that's interesting. Uh, that's the first time I've heard that. Because clearly this guy is doing what he's supposed to be doing in the classroom. As we've seen, uh, Miro has graduated in, in three years, I think. Uh, we saw Jalen Hurst graduate in three and a half years and then went to Oklahoma. And we've seen Bo Nix and other people graduate. So if they're doing something outstanding in that classroom, then there ain't no restrictions never on transfer as far as I'm I, – I think that'd be fair. Because we, we say student-athletes, you're supposed to be there for the uh, school academics first, right? Yes, in theory. So, so why not throw that twist in there? You know, I I, I would I, I don't want to just give you such an easy yes, I'm, damn it, I'm in, but that, that, sounds, that sounds like a good idea. Uh, that that uh, I, I think that when you're looking at if you can excel in the classroom and then there is something that is going on on the field that you is out of your control, then that is something that I think that you could uh, re- reward a kid for. Uh, and and look, we are all saying on the first time transfer we're good with it. And remember that that didn't even used to be uh, right. the case because it used to be you had to sit no matter what on the first right. tr- transfer. So we're still doing something here that is far less restrictive than what it was in in years past. I think that the safeguards on second or third transfers to have to be able to give a reason. You know, a, a valid reason that that's where we're coming into what I mentioned to you the other side of that that break, which was again, th- we do allow for the possibility that something about the situation is truly awful or is not fair or something like that. But what we just want to make sure is that someone is not just the moment something is 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 not perfect or something is not the way they they see is excellent that they go ahead and run to something different just because. They're having to work a little harder for it, or or not beating someone out in competition, that sort of thing. So, uh, I, I think that if you co- if you kind of combine all that together, you get the first transfer free, no matter what. You still get transfers after the first time if you're on academic honor roll, and then if you at second transfer, if you're not on academic honor roll, you got to prove the old reasons, like you you got a sick parent or coach left or something like that. Uh, I think I, I think I would agree with those parameters. Well, yeah, that, that that would work, but uh, you know, uh, 
we talk about these bowl games. They got too many bowl games. So in order to reduce the chances of anybody opting out, then they got to trim down the bowl games. But does anybody want to do that? Because look at the revenue that's going to be lost. So how do you get the NCAA, all the athletic directors of these schools and all these corporate sponsors to, to come up with something where we're just going to have to do away with uh, half of these bowl games? And then that way we won't have somebody playing in a game that don't mean anything and, and, and they looking at a possibility of being a first round or second round or, or, or you know, a guy that's just trying to make the third round where he can get on a team and have a decent paycheck uh, where he won't have to worry about getting injured. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, again, I think that the insurance policy there, part of it, uh, it, it makes it makes sense there. Again, I, I do in some ways. I just – I understand things have changed. I get it. Uh, I, I, as I said to Steve, uh, it, it is kind of tough to to have to go from everyone being very excited about a bowl game to having to incentivize the participation of it. But I do get that that's kind of the way we've headed to, and that would make that would make logic for, especially again, those would be for the guys that like Talia, like we talked about earlier, that or just guys in general going pro. Like obviously, Bo Nix played. Uh, in the Oregon Liberty game, when he's going to be a first round pick, imagine if he had gotten hurt. You know that that's when you you go into well, why did you end up playing in a in a non championship uh, bowl game, that sort of thing. So the insurance in that uh, situation would really more than anything help those that were going to be draft picks and, and incentivizing them to carry on. You know, as far as money is concerned, won't they do this then? There's no more $10 million contracts. A head coach can only make $5 million, and then you trim down for the coordinators. And then only assistant coach can only make about $400,000. And then schools, as far as TV money, will have to give uh, maybe 25% of it to a charity when they get that conference sharing money. See, if you did something like that, then that, that, that would probably cut down uh, the greediness if, if that went on. Well, what do you think about that? Uh, I mean, the, again, the, the, no one's going to like, obviously, to lose their percentage of the pie, uh, that big old pie that we talk about <laughs> from time to time. Uh, and I, I think that it's one thing to try to get other uh, means involved, like a charity or something like that. But I, I think that these schools are always going to want to take home a lot from, from especially football, because football funds – uh, the majority of the other sports on these campuses. Right. And then, two, knowing as the same thing, if we're talking about value to the players and how much the players impact the value of a program or TV money, that sort of thing, the coaches are going to say, well, we're the ones coaching these players. We're the ones that are getting you these players. We need, we need to be getting a certain percentage of that. So uh, I, I think that that would be a next-level thought there that I, I just think too many people would be against. But, you know, uh, when players see – the coaches have that big of a slice of a pie and the athletic departments and all these other people, corporate sponsors, getting these large sums of pie. Well, then they want pie, too. And they want a big slice, too. Yeah. Everyone wants pie at the end of the day, Anthony. Every single person. They want to keep getting more and more of it. Yeah. But, guys, uh, I appreciate the time and whatnot. We'll see how all this plays out uh, as we get into this year in the 12-team playoff. We'll see how that, that – does that help or does that not help uh, – people opting out or whatnot. I still believe they need an NIT to take up some of those other bowl games if, if they're going to uh, keep them around or keep people from opting out, give them something to play for. But uh, how about a uh, percentage of uh, TV revenue and ticket sales for for the players? Would that help any? Yeah, again, I just think 
like you could give them that, but again, I don't think that the higher ups, the ones that have to actually agree to it, are going to agree to that. There would have to be some staged walkout and you know lack of participation. Again, some some other next again another whole another level to something that we've just not seen. So again, if if someone does not have to give up a percentage of what they're owed, then they're not they're not going to do it. So it would have to there would have to be a leverage play there. But if that could happen and a contract was structured, uh, if you did opt out, I mean, don't get me wrong, if you injured, that's one thing. But just opting out because uh, I got attitude and I ain't going to play because uh, I'm looking to make a million, uh, $10, $20 million next week or whatnot, and I'm just going to uh, look out for me, then uh, that should be a penalty in that contract where you got to pay money back. So you you be, a, 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 you know, you go against the terms of your contract and you're going to pay our financial consideration if that be the case. So, uh you know, but like you said, nobody really wants to give out anything sure. unless they really force to do it. But we'll see how, how this thing unfolds in the years to come, though. We will see. We will see, and it will continue to evolve. I appreciate it, guys. Y'all have a good one. You too, Anthony. Appreciate those, those phone calls. That's Anthony calling from Auburn, joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We are going to head to our next break, and as we head to our next break, again, coming up in just a few minutes, we're going to talk some Auburn basketball. But as we go to break, we want to give you a chance to go to the next Auburn women's basketball game. And that one's a big one. It's Auburn and Tennessee inside of Neville Arena tomorrow night. So be the first caller right now, 334-887-3401 or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. And you can win four tickets to Auburn women's basketball as they get set to face the Tennessee Volunteers tomorrow night inside of Neville Arena. Again, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9 Auburn women's basketball versus the Tennessee Lady Vols. We'll be right back after this timeout. Don't want to call into the show? Send us your thoughts via email. You've got mail. Sports call at the tiger.fm. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Going back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, Ryan Lavoy, Canberry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday edition of the program. Still got the opportunity to win four women's basketball tickets to Auburn and Tennessee tomorrow night inside of Neville Arena. Again, that number is 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. And speaking of that number, that's also the number to join the show today. So we go back to that orthopedic clinic phone line. Jeff from Columbus. And Jeff is with us. Jeff, how are you today? Jeff, can we hear you? Jeff, you there? Still don't have Jeff. All right, so we'll uh, try to get Jeff back uh, back with us here in a, in a moment or two. Uh, so we've, uh, we've been talking about the transfer portal rankings. We've been talking about uh, just everything going on with the calendar again. Anthony giving his thoughts on the on the portal there and with uh, the the calendar. 
with the multi-time transfers and that sort of thing. And I, I just think that, again, you've got to have some sort of just just some parameter. Again, it does not have to be overly restricted, but you got to play by some sort of rules to where you've got to be able to, uh, at some point, put a cap on what's possible and how many pl- teams these schools can play for, uh, how many just times that you can change rosters. You're trying to eliminate in some way the ability to just get out of any circumstance that you don't don't see fit and any circumstance that is not conducive. Uh, so I believe we've got Jeff back on now, so let's go back to the orthopedic clinic phone line. Jeff, are you with us? I am, guys. Can you hear me? Yes, there we can we hear go. you this time. Yep. Uh, okay. Hey, man, uh, another year's gone by, and I'm still not capable of running my own cell phone. It's, it's, it's bad. <laughs> but I just haven't learned anything. Hey, um, when I called in initially the first time, uh, whoever answered asked if uh, I was calling for the tickets or to be on the show. Uh, you say they're Auburn, Tennessee tickets? Yeah, Auburn, uh, Tennessee women's basketball tickets. Yep, tomorrow night, Neville Arena. Oh, women's basketball. I yep. was about to say, I'll put, I'll put the men's tickets and uh, I'll put them on, I'll scalp them. I got two. If anybody <laughs> needs two. Okay, no. Hey, um, uh, I do not need any basketball tickets, even if they were men's. But, hey, um, I did, uh, I've been in and out. So I caught Anthony the first time and then I caught a portion of it the second time. And it kind of tickled me when he said, if it's going to be somebody that's uh, opting out for just themselves, you know, maybe they're trying to get that $20 million paycheck. Well, I believe that's what most of them are opting out for, if I'm not correct. You know, am I correct? I mean, yeah. surely they're not opting out just because they're tired. You know, they're, they're looking out for themselves, right? So, and I've been thinking about this. We need to put this, maybe let the parents or the students who are paying for college or have a student loan out there to see just how much money they feel that these troubled football players, mainly football players, right, these athletes should get paid. Because, I mean, I'm, I'm paying my daughter's way through college. It's killing me, right? I don't want her to have a student loan. I know people that are paying off student loans, mm-hmm. okay? They, you know, so, yeah, let's have them. I really don't care a whole lot about the starting quarterback at Georgia, how he's financially going to be secure. I got back to work today. First time I've been back to work since New Year. My general manager and his manager were fired after 15 years. Okay, it's a tough world out there. Okay, so if you can't learn, you're going to transfer four times. You're going to, you know, okay, wait, I'm going to keep going somewhere until I can make it pro. You can't tell me you're academic. You can't tell me that 90% of these, 80% of these athletes that are opting out or transferring are doing it for the education. Wouldn't you think that most of them are looking for a career in football or exhausting all their eligibility in football, trying to have one breakout year? Yeah, I would say a lot of them are. 
Okay. And it's, but I found us. I found the way to get away from the NIL, to do away with the opting out and stuff like that. Get with the NFL Players Union and let these guys be drafted out of high school. That way, they won't be in college football. We won't need any NIL. Okay, let the NFL support them. The ones who want an education, let them go to college. Tell them here are the rules. You're not going to get paid to play college football. You're going to get a college degree, and if you know, and just put it down. But we can't do that because somebody's going to get sued, or somebody's afraid to get sued. I think if we just spent some of the money that we give to NIL on lawyers, that maybe we could actually fight something and win. Where you know, I I I, I mean, I I'm getting tired. Like I say, I was tired of the Orange Bowl. A week after I found out, you know, after the first week, and then they said everybody's opting out. I go, this is going to suck. So I can very easily just drop the whole college football thing. So, it, but it's sad. It's sad that I have to. And uh, and I don't know. I'm just so aggravated. But I really think if we could let the NFL draft players out of high school, you know, let them like let them put them in the G League, right? Do something, and then we don't have to worry about what, how many kids we got in the transfer portal and how many positions are available on an NFL team. I mean, not everybody's going to make it to the pros. So we're spending good money after bad. And, uh, you know, if it's about the money, I mean, how much do you reckon the Orange Bowl off? I mean, they were giving away tickets. Did you look at the stands? I yeah. mean, it's going to end up costing – I mean, I'm sure the Sugar Bowl and the Rose Bowl could probably make up for it, you know. And they, I don't see how half these bowls make any money anyway. But um, uh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm just so frustrated with the whole thing. And I know Anthony played ball. You know, he, I, I believe he said he's played. And I can understand that he played ball. And man, he could have got a portion of that money. You know, it would have been great for him. But my daughter's working 30 hours a week. I'm paying for her school. She just wants to get her her degree. So, yeah, I don't have any pity on it. Somebody who's getting fed three square meals a day, got room and board, and and uh, college scholarship, yeah, I really don't have any pity for them. So uh, that's just my two cents, and uh, it doesn't count for nothing. But at least I got it in there, right? <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, guys. You all have uh, uh, continue to have a great show, and I will uh, – Talk to you probably all later on if I still care anymore about football. Well, we we hope you do keep caring, and we hope you do keep calling. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Jeff. That was Jeff from Columbus joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Uh, Yeah, again, a lot of things are relative here. Not everything's relative. My favorite thing to tell people, because this is more of a theological debate, but if you say nothing is relative, that is an absolute. So you, you, there, uh, or, or or if you say, excuse me, there are no absolutes, then that is inherently an absolute. So that is an oxymoron, and you can't necessarily have that. So, uh, but a lot of these things are relative, and uh, the thing about the NFL drafting players is, yeah, you would have to have a developmental league because these seventeen and eighteen year olds, as great as they are at that level. There's just so few of them that would even hold a candle to any professional guys because the development process of the physicality 
of, of human beings, even between 17 and 21, 22, is still a good, healthy portion. And this is the most physical game. This is not like baseball that where it's about hand-eye coordination and timing. Uh, this is not about basketball when it's about putting the ball in the basket however you can or defending someone from doing that. Physicality is not as big a part of those games. It helps in certain in, in, in certain instances. It, it, it can. I'm not saying it's nothing. But that's also why you can have a 300-pounder at, at first base in baseball. It's also why someone can, that's 5'10 can be just as good as someone that's 7'1", if not better. And basketball, but in football, it's so much about the physical nature of it, the speed, how much you blow someone off a line of scrimmage, how hard you tackle, how hard you hit, and the difference in seventeen-year-olds, twenty-one-year-olds is is vast in that. It is it is vast. Uh, so, I think that when if you did that, you would have to have a minor league for football. And would that be the United Football League, which is what was just announced, the merger between the USFL and the XFL? I don't know. But there's some that already feel that, in a way, college is that. I guess if you look at it from that point of view, you can. But obviously, I would just simply point out there is it's, it's not true minor leagues if you don't have affiliations, and obviously they don't. So they're still very much their own entities. They make a lot of money. That's college football makes so much money, whereas – uh, the direct paths to some of these other sports don't. So, again, I, I, I think that you would alleviate problems there, uh, Jeff, with, with what you're saying. Uh, I think that if you have guys that are solely about the money, they would take that. They would go ahead and, and go there. But even still, as long as you have big universities that pour a lot of resources into it, you're still not going to have a system big enough to make the product bad enough for people not to watch. If you had only – only players that were good enough to play at D2 and D3, and that was your biggest brand playing for these some of these schools, yeah, you might hurt the interest a little bit because the quality would be going down. But there's not going to be enough teams to dilute the quality so much to where you don't get invested still in your school. So, therefore, the money will still be available, and, therefore, the money will still be fought over and, and that sort of thing. But uh, I certainly think that – Jeff's sentiment is a sentiment shared by many now where you've got a lot of different uh, instances where people are having to grind and do their own thing and struggle to uh, have their children or have others go through college. And uh, there still already was some sort of gap between the athletes and not. And now they're at, uh, the gap continues to grow. And again, it's all relative because in that instance, you look at it that way and you certainly get frustrated about it. But also the players, the athletes look at it about how much money others make and that are involved with the process and say, well, we're part of the reason you make that money. So the, the reality is it's a frustrating argument to, to be on. And I think it frustrates a lot of people. We need to go to our next time out of the show. When we come back, we will flip our conversation a little bit towards basketball. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. The Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. Now back to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call.
Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan Lavoy, Cam Berry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday. Appreciate you for tuning in, however you may be tuning in, whether live on the radio, on the Tiger Communications app, or after the fact on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. I want to remind you that we do have the Sports Call survey up and available to be taken. would really appreciate any and all participation in that. It's available at Sports Call AU on Twitter. Sports Call Auburn on, on Facebook and Instagram, also on the Tiger.fm website. It's a brief survey. It's only nine total questions, but it will help us immensely in 2024 with how we're doing and what we need to change. All right, so seven or eight minutes left here in this hour. Let's uh, mix things up a little bit and go Auburn basketball after the Tigers with two straight victories uh, in the non-conference to conclude non-conference play against Chattanooga on Saturday, against Penn last night inside Neville Arena. The Tigers winning by 20 points. The line was around 20 and a half, 21, 21 and a half, one of those, one of those things. Uh, so they just missed covering, although they w- did lead by 20-plus points several different times. Uh, but Auburn with another wire-to-wire victory, won the first half by 19, and uh, Auburn is now set for conference play. But uh, no, big, no big whoops moments there in the, in the non-conference. No, no, just, no just big the, whoops. It took yeah, care of business. Yeah, just the App State game with the on the little bit of frustrating side of things, but uh, you know, yeah, overall. And, and I mean, you kind of, I, I mean, you hate to say you kind of understand the App State game, but I mean, it was what like the ESPN was calling. It's like the biggest game ever in Boone, North Carolina, and so I mean, Auburn kind of went into a buzz all on that. It's like, okay, it happens, uh, but they took care of business and. Um, you know, the, I, I'm excited as we get ready to start SEC play. I mean, it really feels like that this this team is progressing to where you want it to be. Uh, obviously, you, you hope that this team has not peaked. Uh, it would be terrible if you peak at the end of non-conference play and then you just fall apart in conference. So you're hoping that they're still climbing towards that peak performance. But they're really hitting uh, on, on all cylinders that you could possibly ask for. Uh, you don't have just one or two guys that are dominating things for you. It, it's it's kind of a pick your poison type deal uh, when it comes to offense. It, it really is a pick your poison. Um, you've had games where Janai Broom has not done very well, but then last night Janai Broom goes for twenty four and hits three three pointers like right there towards the beginning of the game. It's, you know, good lord. Janai Broom hitting threes. If you can start getting that sort of production consistently, we watch out. Uh, Jalen Williams has been just really good. Uh, Aiden Holloway, again, same thing. He's had some games where he was really not effective, and he's had games where he looks like the five-star kid. Uh, Katie Johnson, some great games. Uh, Dylan Cardwell, yeah, in a time where uh, where Janai Broom was not playing well, Dylan Cardwell stepped up and had a, a, a double-digit point game. So, And then Chad Becker-Mazzara uh, is is – been incredible so uh, Auburn has really balanced themselves out very nicely to where they can hurt you from three they can hurt you from inside they can hurt you from mid-range they're still getting the fouls and getting themselves to the free throw line it's it is a it is a very well balanced team and you can see the well balanced team in some of the stats like they they're in the top 50 i think in just about every offensive category so i I mean you just you can't ask for more balance than what you're seeing out of that team right now yeah absolutely uh 
you love what you're seeing from Auburn just in terms of overall balance. You know, like you said, uh, Tom, it's really about a, it's really a pick your poison type of situation now where it's a highly balanced team. Uh, they're they're able to really gel together really on both sides of the ball. Uh, they're able to to shoot the three pretty well, uh, spread the floor, dominate you, whether it's inside or outside. Uh, and can just beat you in multiple ways, which uh, down the stretch is going to be absolutely so crucial as to how Auburn's going to be able to operate. Yes, even if you know you do need to shoot the three, and I think Auburn's going to be a decent enough three-point shooting team, uh, the, the percentage kind of seems to be raising and going up and up and up uh, as, as this uh, win streak has continued. So uh, they've really kind of gotten out of that slump, and they've really uh, been able to get comfortable shooting the ball again. Um, you know, I, I, I was actually, you know, I'm looking at the stat sheet. Denver Jones had the most three-point attempts uh, for, uh, on the team, which, you know, we were talking about how we wanted to see him kind of uh, hunt for his shot a little bit more. I know that he only went two for seven from three, but I don't hate that. I, I'd rather see him get those shots up and kind of get, get ready as conference play is getting started uh, than have him just be timid and not really taking those shots and not be seen as much of a scoring threat because he is. He's a scoring threat. That's for sure. We know that. Uh, so so he, seeing him kind of get comfortable and, and shooting uh, those threes will be something. Auburn was red hot in the first half uh, from three, shooting 52% from three at the beginning, kind of tapered off in the second half and uh, only went two for 16. So a uh, rough entail a uh, rough terms of three-point shooting kind of a tale of two halves in terms of three-point shooting but uh you still keep you you can still build off of that i mean 10 threes and a half you know you're really sometimes only expecting to make 10 threes in a game sometimes so uh overall 12 12 total threes uh in the game so still something to be proud of you just kind of want to um even it out a little bit more but again auburn was able to score on the inside pretty easily and and really um shoot from the free throw line pretty well uh also so uh i like what i'm seeing from this team they're they're very well put together they seem to be gelling very well together and so it's exciting to see uh going into conference play uh you gotta go into fayetteville a really tough environment against a not so great uh arkansas team but Still, it's a team that you're going to have to respect and you're going to have to. I mean, it's a tough place to play, uh, no, no matter you know, how good the team is. Uh, and, and it's an away environment. So you're definitely going to have to be prepared. Uh, it's been important to see Auburn again get back to taking care of the ball. They had the rough one against uh, Alabama State where they had 17, 18 turnovers in that one a season high. Uh, nine turnovers against Chattanooga, just six against Penn so they've been back to that and again I'm just I'm kind of in awe on a day-to-day basis of how well Aiden Holloway and Trey Donaldson run offense and how well they take care of the ball uh, again a, a night where neither one shot well okay so Trey Donaldson was two of nine from the floor that's not particularly good he was two of five from three you'll absolutely take that and then Aiden Holloway was one of five from the floor one of five from three didn't shoot a two so the combined uh, stat there for them Three of 14 from the floor. However, you didn't really notice much of it because of, A, the balance that Auburn has, which you guys talked about, but, B, again, what they're still able to do in the assist to turnover department. Aiden Holloway had six assists to one turnover, and Trey Donaldson had three assists and no turnovers. So, again, your point guards combined, nine assists to one turnover. You will absolutely take that. Again, that runs uh, the offense very smoothly and efficiently. And so even with them both having off nights from a production standpoint point-wise, 
uh, that was not affecting their ability to dish it out and get others involved and, again, take good care of the basketball. Again, like I said, only six turnovers overall. Uh, again, it is hard to worry about any one player, uh, honestly, on this team. I think that they're all capable in the roles that they've been given. Auburn does not really rely on one or even two particular players to be their everything. That's a really good place to be in when you're this deep because I think it changed a little bit with Broom's performance last night. But as of this past weekend, uh, Auburn did not have any of the top 14 scores in the SEC. And yet they're scoring 80 some, 84, 85, 86 points a game. Mm -hmm. So they don't, they don't usually miss any one player's performance if they don't play well. Again, if Aiden Hallway, who I think people still feel like is one of the two or three best players on the team, period, in the past, if one of your two or three best players has three points, you're probably in big trouble. Uh, this year, Auburn is not. When Janiah Broom was having a couple of games where he was at five, six points, didn't really matter. Uh, uh, I mean, against, you had Cardwell scoring ten. So yeah, yeah. You, so you had Jalen scoring fifteen to twenty. Yeah, 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 it was it was great. In the aggregate, when you aggregate these two positions or the two guys playing each position, they usually come up with what you need out of that position. So uh, we saw that more of that against Penn. Uh, again, we saw more good free throw shooting. This team is uh, getting well into the 70s in free throw percentage, so it's a better free throw shooting team. Uh, and still waiting for the three ball to come around. It had been awesome in the first half. Uh, it was a little too good to be true as they cooled way off in the second half. Uh, I think they were 10 of 19 from three in the first half and yeah. two of 16 in the second half. So yep. uh, definitely shot a lot of threes and, and cooled down in the second half. But uh, still small improvements being made there as Auburn continues to look really good offensively. We'll have more breakdown on this basketball team as they get set for that SEC opener at Arkansas, which will be a very interesting one. But we are out of time for hour number two. Still ahead in hour number three, coming up at 5.15. Joe Bartle of Roto-Wire will join us. We'll talk uh, the end of the fantasy football season with him, as well as some look ahead to some NFL matchups of importance this weekend and some playoff predictions from him. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call live on Tiger 95.9. hours of sports call are finished don't touch that radio dial we've got one more hour to go you're listening to sports call on tiger 95.9 fm wtgz tuskegee auburn and am 620 wtrp lagrange whether you're leaving work cruising around town or listening on demand we've still got some fun left for you to be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started.
Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday. TP Hammock running the board and taking your phone calls. In about 10 minutes, we're going to be joined by Joe Bartle of RotoWire as he has each and every Wednesday throughout the NFL season. Hard to believe, again, all forms of it just about done. Uh, one more college football game. You got one more week of NFL action, and then you'll have playoffs, and then that'll be it. And uh, we'll be sad again. Uh, <laughs> well, we will move Facts. on. I, I love basketball personally. I will. I will be busy every night watching basketball. But very true. I will be too. Uh, the, the populace at large. Big hoops guys over here, Ryan yeah. and I. A hundred percent. Populace at large, though, uh, will be sad, and still definitely will be sad too. Uh, few notes for you here in these uh, few minutes before. Uh, our interview with Joe, uh, we have been keeping tabs, as promised, on the Under Armour uh, All-American game. I wish I had something constructive <laughs> to report. Uh, players have played. Uh, Ice has dominated. Fire, not as much. Fire and, with the team with all the Auburn guys. Uh, right? Yep, that's about what I was going to say next, yeah. is that uh, Fire is the team that has all the Auburn players and uh, have not even seen Cam Coleman targeted. A couple of uh, short catches for Perry Thompson. Towns um, McGoo. I was about to say. Towns hit a field goal. Towns hit a field goal. Yeah. The one score for fire has been off the leg of Towns McGoo. So hopefully that is not what happens in Auburn the next few years. And, uh, yeah, uh, anyway, the, not a lot of constructive things to tell you about. I saw Waller, Jamonte Waller, I believe, uh, had a had a sack that was then called a uh, face mask or something. I, I um, think really early in the game, but Crawford had a uh, uh, Jaden Crawford. Yeah. Yes, Jaden Crawford. J- second ago had a nice coverage uh, defense in uh, in the end zone just a little bit ago, but yeah, it's uh, getting housed thirty nine three. Yeah, um, yeah. I, you know, you you hope that that's not a. You get all the star wide receiver guys out there, and you have no offensive line and no quarterback play. Sounds familiar. Uh, yeah, that's what I was about to say. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to figure some things out, although I think the offensive line is a little bit better than what we've seen in this, but we'll see. Uh, also, other notes, we talked transfer portal today. Uh, just so people are not confused, yes, the window technically closed yesterday. There is an exception for players that played in bowl games within a certain amount of time of the deadline. They get a five-day extension. And so we've seen a bunch of Alabama players at the Portal 9 in about a 15- or 20-minute stretch about an hour ago, including their center, who uh, had snapping difficulties uh, in the championship game, and they've had troublesome snaps all year. Honestly, Alabama, from the teams I've seen, had about as many snap uh, snap snafus as I've seen this year, uh, so uh, and and also and this is something that has happened with that center uh, because he has had some issues this year. But uh, fans need to be better. Uh, apparently, the kid's been getting death threats. Yeah, I, never I, I mean they they've had players are jumping on there, you know, getting onto their own fans about dude, y'all need to calm down on this. I mean, dude, you're giving the kid. It's a kid. You're gonna. Start sending death threats to your center because he, ah, that's just awful. Yeah, social media again enables the uh, it's it the does attacking. some great stuff, but it it enables it the worst does. in humanity too. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but yeah, nevertheless, he is in the portal, uh, and again, 
Alabama and Georgia have a lot of their uh, second and third string guys going to the portal. <laughs> That's the nature of some of these five star players that end up uh, not playing a lot early on, and it gives it gives them the opportunity to go elsewhere and uh, become hopeful uh big big gets for some of these other players so uh that's kind of a look at the portal that's a look at a little bit of the under armor all-star game going on right now i know what's it, the u.s army all-american game that's this weekend yeah maybe a few more tigers in that one well, walker think, white yeah i think one. walker white's in that one Morris williams is somebody that's in that one uh the uh the offensive lineman from modern day uh yeah deandre carter carter deandre carter yeah so there's uh there's few of them playing in that game and uh so it's just that time of year for all the college all-star game or high school all-star games and and that sort of thing uh with having various players be able to uh showcase hopefully what will be next for their programs and uh, again still at the liberty of all these uh all these other players being able to play well too again we've got joe bartle coming up here in about five minutes so we can real quickly go back to the orthopedic clinic phone line next up keith from auburn we got keith with us keith how are you today hey i am great happy new year to all of you guys happy new year sir Uh, happy new year thank thank you uh real quick um i got some good news and then i got some better news better good news okay all right good news is my browns clinched you know they're 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 fifth in the uh, pecking order for the playoffs so they're in um that's great news. Now, you know yeah yeah i know it so not only that you know i think they tied a record with uh in the nfl with how many different quarterbacks started a football game this season <laughs> yeah uh, i'm not sure if it was three or four but the great news even better news is they're going to break that record sunday they're calling me in to start <laughs> that week 17 game so that'll be another quarterback, a new quarterback in there. So I'm, 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 I pulled myself out of the transfer portal, and uh, I'm, I'm going to finish up with the Browns and help them out week 17. They just told me to hand the ball off a lot. So yeah, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, avoid some injuries and and hey, maybe showcase your talents a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know, when I show up, I weigh about what an offensive lineman weighs now, so I don't know. <laughs> They may try to slide me in there uh, on the line or something, but they hadn't seen me get out of bed each morning, so they better not <laughs> better not do that. I'd probably be better served with a cap on and a clipboard on the sidelines. You know what I'm saying? Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, hey, I want to real quick just say congratulations to Michigan. Uh, they were the better football team. Uh, Alabama just got beat uh, at the line of scrimmage. Uh, defensively, I think for the most part they they were confused. That secondary was confused uh, just about the whole ball game. I know they played better the second half, but they still that motion and misdirection and guards tackles pulling. Uh, they just you know really on both sides of the ball uh, beat beat Alabama, and that's uh, you know the reason they won the game. I think the key to that game, uh, even though they didn't score points off of it, I don't believe, but when Milrow fumbled. I think that that turn that shifted the momentum of the game. Even though they missed the field goal, it still shifted the momentum of the game. Uh, I, I think if Milrow doesn't fumble, I think Alabama probably uh, drives it down and maybe kicks a field goal or, 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 or you know scores a touchdown or something. But I, I really think that was a big turning point in the second half of that ball game. And uh, you know, hey, uh, I'm not a Michigan fan. I uh, will be pulling for Washington. I think if you talk about the 
two different teams, uh, you know, uh, one a power running team and the other that just slings it all over the football field, that throws it to set up the run. Uh, it, it's, you know, like daylight and dark playing each other. So it ought to be a, a really interesting ball game. Uh, you know, who had ever heard of that coach before? Uh, DeBoer or DeLore or whatever his name was. Yep, so it goes DeBoer. to show you, you know, goes to show you, set your mind to some hard work, being persistent, and you do whatever you want to do. And I congratulate him and his coaching staff and looking forward to uh, the, the M playing the upside down M, you know. <laughs> yep. Uh, but anyway, guys, I, that's all I have. I appreciate you taking my phone call. I've got one last appointment here in Phoenix City. I'm going to knock it out and head home. So uh, y'all keep up the great work, and we'll talk again real soon. Sounds good, Keith. We appreciate that phone call as always, my friend. That's Keith from Auburn joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We need to head to our next timeout, and that's because Joe Bartle of RotoWire will be joining us to talk a little NFL ahead of Week 18. That is next here on this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app, or if you listen after the fact on the Sports Call podcast, Presented by Coca-Cola. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday edition of the program. And we now go back to our orthopedic clinic phone line where we welcome on Joe Bartle of RotoWire as it's the last regular season week of the year. Most fantasy leagues have concluded. It's kind of a bittersweet moment of the season, Joe. But again, we certainly appreciate you with being on with us again today. How are things in your world? I was going to say bittersweet for a lot of people, but for somebody that's been grinding uh, the fantasy spheres since early July, uh, I'm happy that we have the light at the end of the tunnel wide open there for me to see. So, no, it's been great, and uh, I'm hoping the playoff games are, are going to be fantastic too. And, you know, you look at the AFC side, there's going to be, I think, legitimately seven teams that you'd be excited to see make it to the Super Bowl, maybe maybe six if you take out the AFC South winner. Um, but, I mean, it's, it, it should be a lot of fun, uh, and hopefully – Week 18 provides plenty of drama so long as the Packers win. Uh, yeah, uh, I know your Packers uh, big game coming up this weekend for sure. Uh, Joe, I've got to ask you for the fantasy perspective or fantasy world, how many championships did you hoist this year? Two. Okay. Uh, and, you know, I think two of the three finals that I made. I guess uh, one of the leagues was going to be defunct, so it was kind of a uh, swan song of sorts. And that one uh, I had already kind of anticipated I was going to win. So I, it, three of four, but – Two of three legitimate ones, I'd say. All right. Well, hey, that's uh, that's more than me. Uh, that's for <laughs> sure. Uh, so, Joe, I know we, this one will be more of a uh, a playoff preview, a Week 18 preview, than a fantasy perspective. But uh, I did ask want to ask you one or two things just from the season as a whole in fantasy. Is there any big takeaways 
uh, from this fantasy season, anything uh, that, that maybe was a, a, an odd year from a, a fantasy perspective or something that you might uh, might have changed your view on for future years? Just any, any big takeaways from this year? Yeah, the, the biggest thing for me entering the season when I was, was I was committed to drafting a high-end quarterback in every one of my leagues, whether it be Patrick Mahomes or Jalen Hurts or Josh Allen, uh, and then extended all the way down to Trevor Lawrence. Deshaun Watson was kind of the fringe level of that, but even you know Lamar Jackson. I, I wanted to be committed to that because I thought the, the quarterback difference of those seven guys, realistically, uh, at the beginning of August, was substantially more than the Daniel Jones, Kirk Cousins, Aaron Rodgers of the world, Anthony Richardson, who were uh, you know quarterbacks 8 through 15. With all the injuries that occurred, I, I think I want to continue that thought process next year but it's going to be put into a bit more of a mirror. You know, I think there's going to be instances, if you could say Kirk Cousins healthy, that he could be a top-10 guy. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, Dak Prescott as well, too. And they've made more of a case than ever before with all the injuries that that could take place. And we saw a guy like C.J. Stroud and even Joe Flacco for the fantasy playoffs have massive and monumental fantasy impacts, too. So needing to get one of those top seven guys and committing significant draft capital to the homes of the world that might not be the call that I want to make next year, even though I don't feel like the process was wrong. That was probably one of the bigger takeaways. And then the other is, even though I thought this was a lackluster receiver class, guys like Jordan Asson, Zay Flowers, Rasheed Rice from a rookie perspective, even Jaden Reed towards the end of the season, uh, have just confirmed that it's going to be a wide receiver heavy first four, five, six rounds of drafts again next year. And more so, uh, Arthur Smith ruining B. John Robinson and a few of these other places, there just aren't a lot of obvious number one stud running backs that are getting utilized that way. And this upcoming draft class is not going to change that, too. So it'll be even more wide receiver heavy, if not similarly wide receiver heavy this year's, sorry, next year's first round. Uh, and, I, and I think it's going to be totally fine because that'll be the safer choice once again. And Joe, looking at uh, the quarterback situation for some leagues that still have uh, one last week to play, I'm in. I'm in one league. Uh, we'll be rectifying that next year to where it'll end in week 17. But uh, and I'm the commissioner, so it was on me. It was an accident. You know, I just I just didn't think about it. So I will be changing that next year. But uh, have one more week to play, and obviously the quarterbacks will be uh, a lot of quarterbacks are sitting out uh, that have clinched and things like that. So. Um, I, I lost my guy Lamar Jackson. So who would be like a quarterback that I could replace Lamar with uh, that will actually be playing and, and competing for something? Yeah, this is tough because I would have said Matthew Stafford. Well, Stafford's also uh, benched for this week, and I'd imagine Brock Purdy, if he plays a half, would be stunned there. So the answer to this question, we did this on a Tuesday podcast, is actually Tyrod Taylor, who will be playing against that Eagles defense, which gave Kyler Murray 25 fantasy points. I think it's been four or five weeks in a row that the quarterback that plays the Eagles have been top ten in fantasy scoring. I would anticipate Tyrod Taylor is a pretty easy fill in that instance. He's widely available. There really is no league or instance where he's not. But if you were running into the point where somebody maybe stashed multiple quarterbacks knowing you uh, or whoever else is Lamar Jackson, he's at a weak, weak point, maybe Derek Carr as well, in a must-win game for their playoff aspirations, he, he kind of makes some sense or Gardner Minshew. But I think it's Tyrod Taylor uh, is kind of the catch-all answer to that question. Okay, well, uh, just that follow-up question. What about your guy, uh, uh, Jordan Love? Any, any, any? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I feel, I feel well. Ugh. So I, I really feel confident Tyrod Taylor's okay. going to be able to take advantage of <laughs> a bad defense. But I don't think that Jordan Love is incapable of doing that against the Bears. I understand that they've been hot, especially defensively. Chicago has been, and 
I expect that game to be very, very competitive too. Um, but it sounds like Christian Watson is going to be healthy. I would be shocked if one of, or not both, of Jaden Reed and Dontavian Wicks also uh, will be inactive. Like I think they're going to have all three of those guys, plus Dobbs. You saw uh, Bo Melton also get more involved in that thrashing of the Vikings. I, there's a lot of pieces to go around for that offense, and Christian Watson being available for the Packers will make a difference. So Jordan Love is a totally fine option. If I'm ranking Tyrod Taylor and, and Jordan Love, it might be Taylor 9 and Jordan Love 10. So like I, I, I would lean Taylor, but ever so slightly. Also, now looking at, uh, as, as we're getting here towards the end, uh, looking at some of these guys that were your dark horse guys, that guys that were not high drafts or maybe not drafts that people just kind of picked up uh, out there in the ether that really turned heads that are going to be big-time pickups for next year whenever we play. Who, who are some of those guys? I mean, it's the two from the Rams, Puka Nakua and Kyron Williams, and unfortunately – uh, for our good friend here who has a Week 18 game, you you don't get to play those guys, but they have been fantasy stars for a lot of people and were two of the top waiver wire pickups, and we we gave out uh, waiver wire awards on the Tuesday podcast. They they certainly qualify for that. I'll be really interested to see what the uh, Rams do with their full complement of draft picks next year because you theoretically not want to give the 5'10", at best, 190-pound, at best, Kyron Williams 25 touches for two consecutive years even though he was fantastic this season and certainly uh, was played far above his draft profile from two years ago, I think they're going to end up drafting somebody, and I wouldn't be surprised if they sign another running back, too. I mean, with the way Sean McVay operates that backfield, he has a guy that gets a hot hand, but there is a committee and designated approach, provided he has those guys on the roster. It's just that Kyron Williams this year kind of fit all bills. I, I think they're going to add more to that. I'm not thinking Kyron Williams at this point is a first-round pick in drafts next year. But Puka Nakua, so long as Matthew Stafford's healthy and available, certainly is going to be, I think, a top 24, at most top 30 pick in PPR. And Cooper Cup still has his uh, late first-round, early second-round standalone value. So it's really interesting to see what the Rams do this offseason to bolster really that offensive line and make sure Matthew Stafford stays upright all season long. And now switching that, some guys that were uh, big-time draft guys that – Maybe going into next year, you want to maybe not necessarily avoid, but maybe you don't want to sacrifice big time picks on it, or or maybe even avoid guys that have just been really disappointing this season that you think may not be able to get it back next year. Yeah, we're going to see what happens with Devontae Adams. I mean, if we're putting betting uh, money right now, I'm assuming he's not going to be in Las Vegas next offseason, you know, or I guess this offseason next year. I think he'll be with the Jets, and if that's the case, then Devontae Adams, Garrett Wilson, Aaron Rodgers. That's going to be a fantasy-worthy combo where you could probably see both those receivers, again, be uh, late first, early seconds, just like Garrett Wilson and Devontae Adams were on separate teams this year. But if he is in Las Vegas and they have Aiden O'Connell or whatever other veteran cast-off quarterback, we're getting to the point where no matter how great Devontae Adams is, he's really having to exceed above the talent level that they have a quarterback. So that makes me concerned to be able to draft him among other receivers uh, of that ilk. And I think running backs kind of like Javante Williams, although hoping now two years off of a pretty serious knee injury, um, like the Cam Makers of the world, who I don't even know he'll get a job next year. There was the third to fifth round running back tier, and I was all in on J.K. Dobbins, which another critical season-ending injury adds to that list. I'm, I'm really wary about that group, especially when you seem to always be able to find a James Conner or a Brian Robinson or somebody like that 
in the sixth or seventh round. I don't know who that will be next year. Maybe Zach Charbonnet in the event that Kenneth Walker is healthy entering the season. But there's there's one of those running backs that can be your running back too, uh, and it always seems to to evolve and sort of solidify itself closer to the August drafts when you could kind of make a, a more educated guess as to how that would work out. Talking to Joe Bartle of Roto Iron today on Sports Call, Joe. Let's look at a few of these matchups that have serious playoff implications. The two games on Saturday obviously mean a lot in the AFC to three of the four teams, not to Baltimore. Uh, but you got the Steelers going against the Ravens, and you got the Texans and the Colts. Uh, how? What do you think about these two matchups? Yeah, I guess so. I, you can never rule out the divisional aspect of things, and I know that the Ravens are sitting everybody. I understand that, uh, even though Tyler Huntley is a is a Pro Bowl quarterback right from last year. The joke that is, uh, I, I don't really feel like he's nearly the kind of guy that's going to lead a lot of offense production. And Mason Rudolph and the Steelers look good in recent weeks. I think the Steelers win, but I'm just a little nervous. This is in Baltimore. Somehow the Steelers are favored. Vegas seems to think that there there's some momentum towards that, and. It we one of those where it's, oh, yeah, we're going to keep our division rivals out of the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. Let's play hard. And these guys, and this is going to be a theme for any one of these questions, even if a team is theoretically not having something to play for, the backup players, whoever else is filling in, they are playing for their contracts and their livelihoods uh, and getting good film out there, not just for their respective team, but for frequency or whatever else. So I, it's not just a, oh, clearly this is the second or third string teams are going to get walloped. I don't think it works quite like that. Uh, in Week 18. So I, I think the Steelers win, but I feel not as confident about that. And I would lean towards the Colts against the Texans. I just think the Colts are a better team as much as I'd love to see C.J. Stroud in the playoffs. I think Jonathan Taylor back also adds the element to the offense that they haven't really had all season long, despite how great Zach Moss has been. So I would I would lean towards the Colts winning, uh, and that they are at home for this one also makes me feel a bit more confident, too. And then looking at the NFC matchups, Joe, obviously in the poo-poo fest that is the NFC South, uh, the Bucks can clinch uh, against Carolina, although I'll just tell you right now I'm uh, viciously nervous. I don't even care how bad Carolina is. I'm viciously nervous. Uh, if they lose, it's the Falcons-Saints winner in New Orleans. And then, of course, your game with Green Bay uh, will either kind of uh, shut down some scenarios for some other wild card possibilities or open them up depending if Green Bay wins or loses. So uh, take us through some of those matchups in the NFC. Yeah, I understand why you're nervous. I don't think you should be, though. Other than when you're place, uh, facing Joe Barry in the Packers' defense, Bryce Young has looked awful all season long. I just don't think that changes here in Week 18. So I think the Buccaneers win. Uh, that sucks for me as somebody who has a few futures in the Saints getting a playoff berth. I would love to see a scenario where that occurs, but I think the only way that is is if my heart is completely shattered and the Packers, for a second consecutive year, lose and they win and you're in at Lambeau scenario. And if that were to occur... We're not just talking defense coordinator Joe Barry getting fired. I think you have to seriously consider if Matt LaFleur is the coach for the job. And I know he's been great with Jordan Love this year. Uh, has exceeded a lot of the expectations that I really had entering the season. But I was, I was at that game last season against the Lions. You can't lose two win-and-you're-in scenarios at home against divisional opponents who have theoretically nothing to play for. That, that can't happen. And no matter if you've beaten the Bears nine times, ten times, 25 times, you know they're going to be entering motivated. So I'm I'm far more nervous about this game than I was last year uh, when the Packers ended up kind of punting that one away. We'll see what happens this week with a more rejuvenated team. I think, you know, Jair Alexander being back, still not healthy, adds something to that defense. And for whatever the reason, Joe Barry has been really good against divisional teams. I think other than the Lions game 
where the Packers turned the ball over three times in the first half. Over the past four years, or three years, I think, so seven or eight matchups now, they've held divisional opponents to under 24 points in every matchup. So that, I mean, there, there is something to that, and they have certainly locked down on Justin Fields. This is a different team, so it's a different Bears team. I'm, I'm anxious. I'll be going to that one. Uh, I promise you I will be very, very anxious in the stands, very cold as well. Uh, and because of that, I don't think the Seahawks-Cardinals game will matter much, although I wouldn't be surprised if the Cardinals beat the Seahawks. And I do think the Saints are going to take care of business because the Falcons. I guess there's reports that Arthur Smith might return. As a guy that loves fantasy football, I, I need a world in which Arthur Smith is not wrecking simultaneously Kyle Pitts, Drake London, and Bijan Robinson. So please, somebody who makes decisions at the smart, don't let Arthur Smith be a head coach. Don't let him be anywhere near an offense next year. Yeah. We need good things in our life. Please. As a Falcons fan, I 1,000% agree with you. So I, I'm, I'm with you on that one, Joe. Yeah. Yeah, just don't let him anywhere near the team. I, I agree. He should be gone. Yeah, we're, we're all he NFC. Can, he can like uh, check in tickets or something at, yes. at the front office. Yep. That's great. <laughs> don't don't let him touch any offensive players because they have a really good thing. If they even get any, like if Russell Wilson goes to the Falcons, I think they're a playoff team next year. Provided Arthur Smith and his doofy mustache is not boom <laughs> uh, making making calls there. Yeah, agreed. As, as you can tell, again, we have a lot of NFC South fans here, so we're fans of middling franchises that just go through different <laughs> stages of middling. Uh, but Joe, as always, we appreciated the time. Uh, Want to have you on at least one more time throughout the playoffs, certainly to preview some of that. Uh, and of course, uh, our listeners know you do great work in, in multitudes of fancy ways, basketball and baseball. When it rolls around, you do the over under betting sheet again. Uh, tell our listeners how they can uh, support your work. Yeah, I think we're six weeks away from pitchers and catchers reporting to, to baseball, which is crazy to think about that. We're already there. I know, I know you guys are all excited for that stuff, too. Here in Milwaukee, uh, Madison, a little bit different uh, that we have to watch the Dodgers spend $3 trillion on really good players, and we get like a, a middle relief pitcher from the 15th <laughs> round. But, yeah, it's cool. Love baseball. It's awesome. But, yeah, I mean, if you are getting ready for fantasy baseball, Rotowear's got you covered there, certainly during fantasy basketball season two. We're, we're far away, but not that far away where it's not worth mentioning that we also have incredible coverage from March Madness's perspective, whether it be the gambling angles or any of the DFS, the single-game slate. So that's a lot of stuff that Rotowear does a really good job. Again, a couple months away, we just got past the holidays, so it's not time to look at March Madness, but the holiday in itself, too. So just a reminder that Rotoware has got you covered, really in, in any sort of sports sense and uh, fantasy sense, too. We love it. Joe Bartle of Rotowire joining us today on Sports Call. Joe, as always, we certainly appreciate the time. We wish you well uh, with your Packers this weekend, and we look forward to talking again soon. All right. Thanks for having me on, guys. Again, that is Joe Bartle of Rotowire joining us today on Sports Call. We're going to head to another timeout. Back with more right after this. need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. This is Andy Bertram, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 
back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan Lavoy, Cam Berry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday. TP Hammock around the board taking phone calls today. We appreciate Joe Bartle of RotoWire for joining us again on the other side of that timeout. If you did miss that, you can go check it out in the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca Cola. Appreciate Joe for joining us all season long. Helps you out with the fantasy perspective and, uh, and everything to do with the NFL there. Also want to remind you again, uh, we said this a couple times a show, uh, we really would love participation uh, from you, the listener, or the caller on our Sports Call survey here in 2024. It's still available online at the Sports Call AU, excuse me, at Sports Call AU on Twitter. Uh, also, Sports Call Auburn on Facebook and Instagram. There's a link to it uh, on there. And again, it's a only a nine-question survey. Helps us with how we're doing, what we need to change in the new year. And uh, certainly would appreciate everyone's uh, participation in that. Again, it only take just a few minutes, and it'll be up only for <coughs> another week or two. All right. Uh, I think we mentioned this in passing. I think Tom did the other day. Did want to uh, always update on Auburn roster moves uh, as the time for entering the portal is winding down again. I think there is a couple more days because of that extension from playing in one of those bowl games, butting up against the end of the – uh, portal entry deadline, but uh, Auburn did have another portal guy go in yesterday. It was Brian Batie, uh, of course, former South Florida running back, the kick returner for the Tigers this year. Played a little bit uh, in some some opportunities, especially earlier in the year uh, when Jarquez Hunter was out a little bit, and then also uh, got had, got off to a little bit of a slow start. But Batie goes to the transfer portal, uh, leaving, of course, probably the big three of Jarquez Hunter, Damari Alston, and Jeremiah Cobb in that running back room. Of course, Auburn did not really go after uh, a running back in the high school class. I don't think this will change that uh, in any late movement, any portal guy. I don't know. Uh, but it's really hard to play four backs. It's pretty hard to play three, to be honest with you, and give them consistent roles. But it's very hard to play four. Of course, they were able to do that in a way because of Batie returning, but even then they really weren't playing Jeremiah Cobb much, and I think a lot of people have hopes for Jeremiah Cobb. To be fair, we still need to hear the decision of Jarquez Hunter. Uh, I don't think that has been finalized yet. I think that after not having the best of bowl performances, I think the hope is certainly there, and with Batie hitting the portal, the hope is there that Hunter will be returning to Auburn, but there is that possibility that he could uh, test draft water, so we'll see about that but guys thoughts at all on the on the running back room uh would you like a portal guy you set with these three uh just just thoughts on running backs yeah um i i think the running back room is still pretty pretty good right now honestly even with the loss of Batie, i think that uh, the room is still pretty set it opens up plenty for jeremiah cobb i think that's really what it is uh gives cobb the opportunity to um really just play his game when he can get his snaps at, you know, it just really is what that opens up to. I think the running back room is just pretty full right now. I think that's honestly why Auburn didn't try super hard to bring in a running back for this class. Uh, you know, they did have, uh, the, the, the guy from, um, the, uh, Oh my gosh, I, I lost his name, but the kid, the kid from Andalusia, um, Fat I, Burnett. Yep. yeah, Fat Burnett that was, uh, committed 
to Auburn, uh, and then he decommitted, and, and I think that's just because he also knew that the running back room was so uh, was so full, uh, and, and knew that maybe there's a potential for these guys to return. So I won't get a lot of playing time. Plus you have Cobb. So yeah, so it was a lot, and so so I think that Auburn's going to try to focus on the 25 class and get some stuff, uh, get a running back there, and I think that's really where it's going to be. And um, yeah, so uh, I think the running back room is, is looking decent. I think if you can get a, a consistent offense going that your running back room your production will be perfectly fine tom any thoughts running back room yeah uh I, you know i i don't know if this was a i don't know if this was a situation where the coaching staff talked to uh brian betty and told him that you might want to look elsewhere or if he just saw the writing on the wall but i don't think that he is going to be a part of what they have going forward i think i think jeremiah cobb is the main guy that they're looking at uh after some of these other guys and you've got some some guys coming uh in the next couple of years so i just don't think that batty was going to be a part of it and so like i said i don't know if he saw the writing on the wall himself or if he was told it would be better for you to to look elsewhere where you can maybe actually get some good playing time so um you know, it's it's always unfortunate anytime you see a guy lose. But I mean, if you're going to lose something like that, it, it, you know, be a guy that is a, a backup that maybe you don't see a, a true shot at him being a featured back or anything. So uh, I really don't think Auburn's losing a whole lot there with with yeah. that. I, I think he's down to one year of eligibility if I if memory serves right. And uh, and he's just <laughs> not going to get the playing time right. Here. Right. He he's a. I, Again, I, I wish there was a different world where he he could have been used a little bit differently, or or maybe gotten him out on the edge a little bit more because I do think his athleticism is is very good. But uh, you know, we saw him return kicks this year, had a couple of nice returns, uh, so I, I think he can go somewhere and be productive in a certain role. Uh, so yeah, you're just replacing kick return there, and then again, I think that paves the way to give Cobb a more earnest chance it's you know about five touches a game something right. something not huge but something at least consistent and again that's assuming that Jarquez Hunter is back and, and Demari Austin I still think has a chance to be a nice bruising running back too so they still got some different uh, types of guys in there and then yeah it will be very interesting the fall of the recruiting for the next year because that's when they're going to have to right. to get somebody in here uh, I think Austin still got a couple years of eligibility. Obviously, Cobb was just a freshman this year, but Jarquez Hunter, uh, it, the clock's starting to tick on him a little bit, so that will be something they'll look for in, in the next recruiting class and, and certainly be able to give a running back some sort of pretty good opportunity. We've got about five or so minutes left in this show. Uh, TV guide coming up here in, in just a moment. Again, uh, preview what's ahead on Sports Call uh, tomorrow will be our last kind of dedicated NFL day as we'll have a, a lot of NFL tomorrow previewing the last uh, week of the season. Uh, and then we'll, on Friday, want to spend a good bit of time on the SEC basketball portion of it as the Tigers get set for Arkansas. I'm going to catch you up to speed on some of the relevant SEC teams, what the national thought is on the SEC and college basketball. Of course, Auburn did earn – their first top 25 ranking of the season. About time. Uh, yeah. Uh, Good Lord. You know, they uh, certainly had done well in the all the metrics and all the analytics. They've been in the top 10 all yeah. season long. Again, I the reason I said that they were struggling to be in the top 10 was just – or excuse me, top 25 was just the perception of the teams they played, right? And 
the the fact of the matter is, and we'll get into a more great detail uh, again later in the week, but these brand name non conference schools, unfortunately, have just not been any good. Notre Dame's not been good. Indiana's struggling uh, mightily. Unfortunately, uh, you know, St. Bonaventure not adding much. Uh, USC not what they were supposed to be no. so far. Really, it's just Baylor that has at least exceeded some sort of expectation in the early going. And look, you know, App State is not looking to be an awful loss. I looked it up again. App is ten and three on the year. It was a home game, and I do want to remind people, friendly reminder, because I'm I'm toying with a prediction for Saturday's game, and people are not going to like. It's very tough to win on the road in college basketball. Uh, some people don't really think much of this Arkansas team. They beat Duke at home. Yeah. Okay, so – and Bud Walton Arena is re- reliably one of the three or four toughest venues in the SEC. Yep. So uh, that is not going to be an easy game. I guess, Tom, we can get your thoughts since it's your last show uh, of the week on uh, on that Auburn-Arkansas game. Hey, I mean, that's it's going to be I, – I will say this. If for as good as Auburn has been playing, I still think that will be a I, – I, I don't know if I want to say monumental win, but I mean, really, as tough as it is to win in Bud Walton Arena, as big as that is, as crazy as their fans are, I mean, it is it is one of the tough, one of the toughest places to play in the entire country. To be able to go in there and get a win is pretty darn special. So uh, Auburn's playing great basketball. That's going to be tough. Uh, it's really, really going to be tough to do that. Auburn will have done something very special if they can go into Bud Walton and get a win. That also said, fans also don't need to hit the panic button if Auburn goes to Bud Walton and loses because so does a lot of other people. Yeah. <laughs> so don't hit the panic. If Auburn falls in, in Bud Walton, it's like it, it's okay. Don't hit the panic button. Obviously, you want to go in there and get a win, but if it doesn't happen – you know, I, I you hope you don't go in there and just get your doors blown off. Right. Um, I don't see that happening to this Auburn team. I think they're just so balanced that they're not gonna get their doors blown off. But if they come up short and they lose that game, don't hit the panic button. It's okay. It's first game of the season. Arkansas is going to win a lot of games at home. It doesn't matter how good or bad they are. So. That being said, uh, you know, I, I'd like Auburn to go in there and at least uh, not be flat. Yeah. Play a, play a solid game. If you come up short and you just you, you fight your butt off and do whatever you can and you just come up short because it's just that, it's okay. But now if you go in there and get beat by like 30, then you're like, Ugh. Yeah, whoops. Yeah, Oof. yeah <laughs> but, so we'll be, we'll be breaking that one down in great detail here. Over the next couple days, we're into our last couple minutes of the show today, so it's time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer, and we got some men's college basketball on tonight. Uh, a weird one in the ACC, 6 o'clock on ESPN2. I say weird because Virginia... Uh, just got housed by Notre Dame, even though Notre Dame's been around 500 this year in their previous uh, SEC game, or excuse me, ACC game. Uh, and then Louisville is uh, is not good, and Kenny Payne I, I, is still the coach, and they're not good. Anyway, so that's 6 o'clock on ESPN2. The loser of that one is going to look bad doing it. Women's College Basketball, 6 o'clock ESPNU. you got Charlotte 
and South Florida. 7 o'clock on ESPN. Back to the men's game. This one's a pretty good one in the ACC. Number 16, Clemson at Miami. Miami was ranked as high as being in the top 10 or 12 earlier this year when they were playing Kentucky. Kentucky handled Miami, uh, Miami easily, and that kind of sent Miami into a brief spiral. So they are hosting number 16, Clemson, who uh, are part of the three ranked teams in the ACC. It's North Carolina, Duke, and Clemson. Uh, and then uh, NHL 630 TNT, you got the New Jersey Devils and the Washington Capitals. And 7 o'clock on AMC, you got your one movie pick. You've got Moneyball starring Brad Pitt. Great movie. Uh, it is a very good movie. And that is Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. And that's about it for this Wednesday edition of the show. Tom Peavy, thank you for being here today. I hope you have a great rest of your week, and we'll yeah. see you again next week. Yeah, man, enjoyed it. And Cam Berry, thank you for being here today. Glad you made it back safely from Germany. Yes, sir. And uh, we'll see you again on Friday. Glad to be back. See you on Friday. And we also appreciate T.P. Hammock for running the board today on this Wednesday. We also thank Joe Bartle of Rotowire for joining the program. And as always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in for T.P. Hammock. Tom Peavy, Cam Berry, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Wednesday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.